Howard from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studios in California. It's episode 284 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, it's our 16th media panel as we welcome Ben Lee from the Smoking Syndicate, John McSavage from Developing Palettes, and Matt Ty from How About That Cigar. And as always, Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dagos Race has introduced another chapter of the saga, Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Cuyoyo Olor and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that's generously delivered with elegance, a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three three sizes. Actually, it's available in four sizes now at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand is consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan Sun Grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filled tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chalk, and espresso that are perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network shows, as well as the California Studios, is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 284. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. Will Cooper, I am in the Perdomo Square Studios on the Black Stage, joined by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. It's uh, a little bit of a rough week I had. I was sick earlier in the week. Uh, then the Phillies won, and uh, you know we we got a lot better. So uh, yeah. So, so uh, I haven't smoked in a few days. So uh, I started smoking today. So okay. I'm pretty excited. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, um, you know, I will say my my cigar of choice. Um, I mean, what cigar would I smoke with the Phillies winning? Topper. There you go. There you go, Topper. So, uh, I mean, you could have smoked Ashton, right? Didn't they smoke Ashton? I guess you could have smoked Ashton, but you know, Topper yeah. is Rob Thompson's nickname. Yep. So I, yep. I, I, I figured I'd write up a Topper tonight. Did so. Uh, uh, yeah, this is a mixed fill, but I don't care. Uh, it's the name that, that I'm smoking tonight. So, uh, but no, it's a uh, pretty good. We had a week off last week, so uh, yep. um, exciting. And you know, we're in the uh, we're in the thick of the baseball playoffs, and uh, I'm actually kind of glad that all the series closed out because uh, I think just about everyone has a vested stake um 
on this one way or another. So yep. why don't we introduce the crew here tonight? Sure. All right. So uh, coming over, uh, we, we have representing developing palettes. We have Mr. John McTavish. How are you doing tonight, gentlemen? Doing good. Doing good. Okay. Representing the Shaping. smoking. Yeah, no problem. Representing the smoking syndicate, Ben Lee. Hey, everyone. Hey. And representing How About That Cigar, Matt Ty. Good evening, baseball fans. Well, you know, I know we're gonna be I know we're gonna get into things, but listen, Matt Ty has gotta be we have to just give it up to Matt Ty tonight, okay? Uh I mean because <laughs> yeah, I did all the work. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 I mean it was one of the the really one of the streaks, one of the nefarious streaks that, you know, wasn't really talked about a lot. Maybe it was talked about in Minnesota, but you know. The Twins just losing, you know, all those series games. Like, well, it was a losing streak in the playoffs. It wasn't just a series streak. It was a losing streak. And they came on and they played great. Uh, I thought they played two really good games um, in the uh, wild card this year. So uh, a big congratulations. I mean, you basically wiped out the Blue Jays pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I thought they were pretty evenly matched teams. We We split the season series with them and uh just on paper they're pretty pretty well matched but uh twins pitching man it's so great to have a, a good pitching staff for the first time and i mean solid across the board from starters to middle relievers to closers yeah uh, i love it and um it was it was a couple great games they were twins style playoff games where there were crazy you know defensive plays and you know, big hits and, you know, a few bad calls, but that's baseball. Yeah, it's, it, exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, we can't, you know, now, you know, it's very interesting because there's a little bit of a, uh, we have a little bit of divided uh, camp here in um, Cigar Coop land because, you know, Ben and I are going head to head in the playoffs again. Um, as his Braves, who are, I think are the favorite to win the World Series this year for sure. So my goal is I just want to play tough in this series and, keep it close and have a chance in this series, but uh, Braves are good, man. So Ben, best of luck to you guys. I, uh, I can't trash talk. You guys are so much better than us this year. So. Let's well, you know, I don't, I don't trash talk anyway, but uh, I'm hoping we pull this off. I mean, <clears throat> Phillies are loaded, man. That is a loaded team. So anything can happen. Listen, but look what happened little, last year. Yeah. You know? I there was no harder critic of our manager in the first sixty days, and you know that than me. Uh, yeah, but what, the, I, what but did he, I keep telling you? But he, but you know, he and he did a bad job. I'm going to say he did a bad job at a training camp, but he got this team ready for the playoffs. You know, with the rotation, uh, he was perfect. I mean, he just every move he made was perfect, and it, and it doesn't hurt when your pitching was that good in, in the first two games. So, um, as for John. I mean, John, I is moral victories with the Jets. Uh, is there a moral victory? Uh, yes, I feel that there is a moral victory because um, there's. A, I've been hearing a lot of crowing from Chiefs fans, and my response is, your team barely beat the laughing stock of the NFL, and you know, however you feel about the game, it was a three point game which had, a, I think, a nine-and-a-half-point spread going in. So, you know, Zach Wilson inexplicably remembered how to play football, which was surprising, I think, to everyone, including Zach Wilson. 
the offensive line created a pocket that apparently any quarterback, including Zach Wilson, could have been successful behind, and he seemed to be. Um, and the defense balled out all night. Um, you know, five interceptions. I know four officially, but it's, it's five interceptions. Let's call, call a spade a spade. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm okay. I've, as I said at the start of the season, I'm okay with a loss provided the team comes out and plays competitive football. And I'd say they came out and played competitive football and it's a lot better than getting embarrassed 38 to three or whatever, whatever spanky town the Cowboys took the jets to, which was just, you know, painful, painful to watch four quarters of that. Totally understand that. Totally understand that. So John, what are you smoking tonight? So I decided to go into the tickle trunk, as I say, uh, and I found something very old. It's an old zombie antidote, which, I mean, I it's got to be. I thought that's what you were smoking. I thought that's what you were smoking, yeah. The, the cello is like, I mean, it's almost bronze. It's so dark. Uh, and I want to say this has got to be like 12 years old, 10 or 12 years old. It's just been sitting and waiting for me. And I saw that. I'm like, you know, our good friend Anfon always says, don't sit on the unicorns, burn them because like, what's the point of sitting on them? I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. totally, totally what I should be doing. And then I've got a backup uh, intemperance because this is not my first rodeo coupe. I know how this show goes. So I've got a backup <laughs> cigar just in case. Uh, well, I got, yeah, I got, I got a, I'm going to go with Camacho. Bro- I'm going to stick with Broadleaf theme tonight. Cause this is a Broadleaf hmm. and I'm going to go with Camacho Broadleaf after my top. Great cigar. Yep. Uh, ben, what are you smoking tonight? Well, I'm starting off with a Romacraft Aquitaine Sabretooth. That's for a cigar. And like John, we know how these how long these shows go. So my next cigar I got, which I have several over here, but it's going to be the new JRE Aladino Sumatra. Fancy. So yeah, yeah, and you uh you were up with Husto today up in uh up in Nashville today. Yeah, he dropped by. We had a uh little cut and light event up there today he came by it was it was a really good event I had a great turnout and uh you know he's he's always just a great guy to, to have there but he's he's awesome he really was, good to see him again he's having a hell of a year too uh cigar wise uh i know aaron and i were talking about that um and you ben you you smoked uh the um the classic lancero i think with me did you and yeah. I, I thought that was the best size of the, cl- the classic wasn't really a, a lie that loud me. And I thought that classic was really good. Yeah. I had it again today. It was my first cigar when I got there was yeah. the classic Lancero. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of the classic line at all. I, no, I don't neither. really care for it. It's my least favorite of his. Uh, not bad, but it's just there's other lines I go for. Right. And, and I, I think the, he I told him he again, he's the king of Lancero because every Lancero he comes out with, it's the best Vitola of the line. Every, every one of them. And it's none more telling than in the, the vintage line and the Cameroon. It's like that that Lancero of both those lines yeah. is like stunningly good. Yeah. Aaron, you me. even like those cigars, right? Yeah, the Lanceros, just like Ben said, and I actually used the word King of Lanceros in the, the review I wrote up uh, yeah. for the classic. Um, yeah, I, the regular, you know, the regular line where, you know, normal Corona, Robusto, Toro kind of thing. Other than the Cameroon, the other ones just didn't do them for me. But the Lanceros, yeah, definitely. They, they definitely shine the Lanceros. Yep. Yeah, we Could found out today, of- too, just, uh, they're, you know, they have their Candela. 
cigar too, which is really, really good. But it's a limited, you know, it's a limited release. Only certain retailers can get it. But at TPE this coming year, it'll be available to all JRE retailers. Nice. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, nice. He's a, yep, I've had that one. Um, and uh, it's one of, I'll say with those Candelas, smoke them as soon as you get them. They're best, they're best when you first get them. So uh, in general, I always say that about Candelas, but especially those. And then Matt, what are you smoking tonight? So to celebrate a twins win, and of course, also to celebrate, you know, being on with you fine gentlemen, uh, I pulled out my very last Cuenca y Blanco. That's a Cuenca uh, y Blanco. Yeah, that's the, the before they just changed the label to CYB. Uh, I think I because I bought boxes back. Shoot. When was 2010? Somewhere in, yeah. in there? 12. They came out in 2012. I, 12. OK, yeah. 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 So I bought boxes of them. And, uh, yeah, last one and just felt like a, felt like a good time to fire this one up. And, you know, as you can see, it's burning terribly. I mean, gosh, that's no, I'm joking. It's (laughs) beautifully and it, it's, you know, still got a lot of flavor, you know, after all these years. So, and, uh, I have a crook of the crown from stolen throne on deck, uh, for cigar number two and a little, uh, four roses, single barrel. So, uh, looking forward to it. You know, I think I've told this story. I don't know if I told you this, Matt. So I, when I did one of my cross-country drives to, to Vegas for the trade show, when you cross the New Mexico-Arizona border, there's this Indian trading post that they have. A, and there's a big sign saying cigar humidor, cigar humidor, right? So I go there, and they have a decent-sized humidor. I go in there, and this has got to be 2017. And I look in there, and there's an unopened box of the Cuenca y Blancos. Not the CYB, the yeah. Cuenca y Blancos. I bought that thing up like I wasted no time. I got it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. they're, mine, they're all gone. They're all gone now. Um, but I couldn't believe I found it. And Jose said, how did you find that? I said, yeah, I said it was somewhere on this Indian teepee in the middle of a- <laughs> and literally the store looks like a teepee when you get that. I said, I'm telling you, it was in this humidor. He goes, I wonder if they have any more. I said, I asked. I said, I got the last box. Uh, and I never gave Jose one. He's so, oh, I actually meant <laughs> to stone cold. I meant, I meant to do it, and I forgot because I had the cigars with me in Vegas that year. So uh, I felt bad. So don't worry, Jose. I just took care of Jose cigar wise. So <laughs> I uh, I just sent him a whole bunch of cigars. So <laughs> some Miami. So all right. So everyone, uh, no, to appreciate everyone joining. So. I don't know how I, I, I wanted when I wanted to when I was telling Aaron about this concept for tonight's panel, I, I wanted to try to just avoid the the run of the mill topics that we always do. I mean, not that they're bad, but I was trying to think of some things. Um, I don't know how well I did, Aaron. You can grade me later on this um, with, with some of these topics, but we'll see. All right. Uh, I'm just, I'm just we'll see how it goes. You guys can tell me if these topics suck. Uh so here's my first one I want to put out there. Pairings. Okay. So I'm going to kind of give a little intro here where I'm going with this and we can see where the conversation takes us. So I see, I see the concept of pairings done all over the place for years. I mean, John, you had a show sharing our pairings, right? Uh, from, for a long time. Um, I'm constantly seeing, the concept of, hey, let's pair a cigar with a beverage. And and I'm not knocking the concept or anything like that. But 
I see a lot of these cigar projects come up. And I'm not knocking these projects either. Namely, um, we just saw one, for example, not to pick on them, because I think this was a good release, the Flint Knoll Macanudo one, where they took a tobacco and they aged it in a, a wine barrel and they used it as the binder. And they came up with a Macanudo, uh, Macanudo State Reserve, um, Flint Knoll State Reserve. And I want to talk about things like that in a little more in particular. Like, I don't want to talk about like Perdomo, for example, that they do. I'm not talking about cigars that are getting barrel aged, okay? Bourbon, you know, not like as part of a regular process. I'm talking about bringing a spirit or wine together or a beer together with a cigar. And my question to you guys tonight has this been successful for cigar brands? Because I have mixed feelings if I've seen this be highly successful or not. I've seen it, and I and I also, I don't know this if I've seen it capture the consumer's imagination. So I'm kind of curious of everyone's thoughts on this tonight. And, and maybe you guys will tell me I'm completely off base with that. But I just think it it's an interesting thing. It's a fun thing. But I don't know if it's caught on. And I don't know if it's led to big success. So I will I will throw it out there to the panel who wants to take that first. I'll I'll hop right into the deep end. Um, I mean I think I think the concept on paper is sound. You know I think the idea is you want to kind of merge the larger industry of liquor with the much smaller industry of cigars. And you know I think the thinking is that like hey who you know who doesn't enjoy a spirit with a cigar? But I think the reality is that, and I say this as a whiskey fiend. A lot of people don't, as it turns out, enjoy spirits with cigars. And it turns out that like the vast majority of people that I come across, um, you know, at most, they might say a soft drink and a cigar. Uh, in fact, I would say of the people that I know that pair spirits and cigars, almost universally, the number of people that I know are on the spirit side of things and not on the cigar side of things, which if you'd asked me, you know, before I sort of anecdotally experienced that, I would have said, well, of course it's the cigar people that are pairing. And my experience has been completely the reverse. I've got a a very small handful of cigar fiends that I know who enjoy cigars and spirits, but a vast larger number of spirit people who are very, um, I don't want to say uh, light users of cigars, but certainly not to the same degree as my my sort of cigar fiend friends. And I find that kind of curious because, you know, I don't know what the demographic is that they're trying to appeal to, whether they're trying to bring in the spirit side of things to the cigar or whether they're trying to, you know, have that spirit appeal to the cigar people. But it seems like that Venn diagram ends up being less inclusive instead of more inclusive, at least... You know, if you look back on the years of how many of those projects are kind of still in the market from, call it five or six years ago, uh, you know, you just don't hear about those projects anymore. I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on a lot of that, John. Um, you know, like a good, like I noticed some of these have been successful. Like late hours, a good example. It's a successful thing, right? But I when I see people was- smoking. What, what was the? I don't even recall what the pairing was with Lake. It was it was whiskey. It was whiskey. I was yeah, but I think it was more of a tobacco aged in barrels kind of a thing, right? It wasn't yeah. necessarily a. 
Yeah, but they were promoting. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it was. They weren't promoting a specific pairing in here. Yeah. Same with October. Again, they weren't. It's kind of like in the Perdomo boat, I guess you could say with that. Where yeah, well, Davidoff did though with that late hour. They did have like a a pairing. Um, kind of, I don't know. They, I don't know what you would call it, but we we had a Davidoff event in my shop in Biloxi, Mississippi. That um, Jeff Stone came in and did a kind of a presentation on each cigar that had a sampler you could get, and they would paired it with all these different spirits. You know, this cigar will go best with this spirit. And this cigar will go best with this spirit. And the event was you could actually try that cigar with that spirit and see the tasting notes that Davidoff came up with. And you could do it, you know, kind of live while, while Jeff talked right. about it, you know. Right. So they did do that stuff. But do people then go and do that afterwards is my question. It's like, I tend to see, you know, when it comes to the cigar, I tend to see them just go for the cigar. Like the same with the Oktoberfest, right? It's. It's I see people tend to still go to the cigar. I don't see them have a ritual with this pairing thing. I don't I think the pairing becomes secondary in a lot of ways. It's, I think it's a it's a marketing tool, but then I don't really see and, and and John, I'll go back to you because you've done a show with this and you may have a grasp of the audience that you've had over the years with this. Um what you know, is this something that you've seen? You, I mean, is this something outside of your show that people start to do this a lot? That that's kind of where I'm going with that. I mean, again, you know, I think I think a good um, litmus test would be to walk into your local lounge and say, like, how many guys there are drinking? If it's a, if it's a lounge that allows you to bring in outside alcohol, how many guys are actually having alcohol and cigars versus how many guys are just you know having a flavored water or a soft drink. And, you know, again, I, I feel like when I'm speaking to people about pairings and obviously I did pairing show for years and years and years, and we did a vast variety of different pairings, but it always came back to lots of guys said, you know, either I'm just not into spirits or I'm just not into beers or I'm like, I just, you know, I just don't enjoy beers with cigars. Um, and that, like, I just kept running into it. I mean, obviously I'm among a group of people here that is probably a massive outlier in terms of, you know, what the average cigar smoker does. Um, and I'm sure that if you go to like, uh, if you to go to Corona Cigar Company, that would be a vast outlier because, you know, his entire business is based on serving up high-end spirits. So, you know, when I go to Corona and I get a cigar, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm already in that headspace. I'm already thinking, you know, what great bourbon or whiskey can I pair this cigar with? Uh, but I, I feel like I feel like I'm, you know, in that very, very small micro segment of uh That's what I was gonna of say, a cigar yeah. smoker. I mean, yeah, because I've gone into Corona and I look at their whiskey and I'm like, all right, I want to try the coolest whiskey maybe there, right? And I'm you know, I'm not a big drinker, right? So I'm gonna have one drink, right? But I, I never put any thought in terms of, oh, I is a pair of my cigar. I really don't get I really don't do that. Well, I don't know. I mean, could you think about it? I mean, how many cigar shops now have bourbon bars in them that's they, a lot that's true you they know do, and, but is it but yeah but i go back to the brands now these brands uh, does anyone really try to grow a brand like i know certain many people have tried to grow the brand and have they been I, able I to grow, grow no. that brand based based on that pairing concept i don't i don't think so i mean it's just it's always to me been kind of a gadget thing you know a little bit of a marketing gadget kind of like Oh yeah, this our cigar goes great when you pair it with this, you know. 
but I don't think it's I don't think it's ever been a big selling point or anything for any any cigar line for yeah. any cigar company. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I, personally, I, I, I pair, I I pair I most of my cigars with coffee. To be honest, I yeah. I, I like when I go to Corona. You know what I get? I get a damn Cuban coffee. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. usually what I get. Yeah. I think it might be a regional thing too, because there's a there's a fair number of us up up here in Minnesota that get together on a pretty regular basis, and you know, guys will bring couple bottles from their collection you know we'll get together either at somebody's house or at one of the private lounges because you really for the most part uh can't drink alcohol in cigar lounges uh cigar shop lounges in minnesota but there's some private clubs and you know we'll get together and you know a few guys will bring you know two or three bottles and you know you just take a little you know just just a little pour of each you know and taste what's what's new what's out there you know some you know sometimes somebody will have a rare bottle and uh it's interesting to you know just like john used to do on his show that where that you try different you know uh you know different scotches from the same distillery even from you know with very minor differences in either year or something else and it's a completely different spirit and it changes, you know, with the cigar. But as far as I think the cigar companies that do it best are cigar companies that don't focus so much on pairing, like this cigar is made to go with this spirit, but yep. they do events with food and wine or cocktails and food. You know, uh, Sean Williams from Cohiba, I think, is a like prime example he the, the events you see him uh putting on are just they they look like the kind of events i want to go to where you know there's there's really good gourmet food and there's really good it it could be maybe it's co-sponsored by by a whiskey company or it's co-sponsored by a wine company or something um so i think it's more about the experience and the the companies that get the most traction out of it, I think are the ones that make the events about experience, uh, like the, the Davidoff event that Ben was talking about, you know, it's, it's kind of more about the experience and, and just, uh, uh, challenging your palate a little bit. And when they make it a good time, I think it's great, but it just every day using pairing as a marketing tool, if, if anybody has done it, I don't think it's worked very well. You mentioned Cohiba, and that was actually one I wanted to bring up because they do the Weller, right? Now they have the annual yep. Weller release. And my problem with that one is that, that I kind of question if it how it works. Maybe it works indirectly, right? And what I'm saying by that is it's hard to get that Weller, right? That's not an easy thing to get from what I understand. So how many people are really going to be into that whole pairing thing with that to begin with is my point. Or is it, like you said, is it maybe – on the bigger scale, it's helping them mark Cohiba, maybe as opposed to that line. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, um, with no disrespect to Cohiba, I don't think Cohiba's moving the moving the the dial for Weller. You know, like Weller's doing yeah. pretty good. I would say Weller's doing pretty good on their own. You know, like no one needs to give Weller a hand up. Uh, if anything, Cohiba, which you know is is a big brand, like no question, it's a world world uh, marketed brand. But Weller is a very, very big brand of spirit. 
Um, so I kind of feel like Weller might overshadow Cohiba a little bit in that in that respect. Yeah, I totally agree because I think people go to that event, they're going for the Weller. They're going for right. in that case. And they're they're going like, for the Weller. oh, yeah. a Cohiba, yeah. that's nice, right? You know, yeah. Well, and and also especially if you get because we've seen them seen them all over the country, the liquor stores that have the 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 stand up slanted display humidor next to the point of sale so you go in you buy your whiskey you buy your beer you go up to pay for it and they've got a stand-up humidor there and a lot of people depending on what part of the country you're in if, if weller is readily available and and you got big whiskey fans out there you know those whiskey fans are going to see a cigar with the word weller on it and they'll be more inclined maybe they've never even bought a cigar before they'll be more inclined to say I think I might buy a cigar or, or even if they, uh, you know, smoke five acids in their life, you know, the, if they're a big Weller fan, they're going to see that cigar in that, in that humidor next to the cash register at the liquor store and say, yeah, I'm going to try one of those. You know, you, you bring up a really good point with that, Matt, because I think, you know, rather than sort of the specific pairing of a particular spirit and cigar, uh, I certainly my understanding is that those uh, liquor stores that have high volume tend to do quite well with those. Stand- I mean, you wouldn't think they would, but just based because the the volume sales of a of a liquor store are so high, I think they move quite a lot more uh, cigar product than what you would think. So, you know, maybe maybe there is something to that where you know you have enough people going through there. Uh, you are marketing, and again, it's the reverse of kind of where I would think is you know, you're introducing spirit people and beer people into cigars rather than kind of the reverse, which uh, I guess ultimately is, is probably successful. I just don't know if there's, you know, uh, if, if they don't have the spirit brand specifically marketed on the, on the cigar, you wonder like, how are they making that choice within that humidor based on what they're buying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Mitchell brought up blackened. Mm. Uh, and the Jewish State Black, and, and actually, uh, I did a show with Dave Burke. We just did a Metallica show, and I actually, I tried both for the first time together on that show. It was an interesting pairing for sure. I think it, I actually didn't think it was a bad pairing by any means. But again, I haven't really seen. I think everything I've seen has been on the Jewish State and more about the M eighty one. It really hasn't been about pairing it with the whiskey in this. I think they've been. I don't think that's how they've been pushing that one. I think you're right. Yeah, I, and I think yeah. So I don't think that's a bad thing on that one. But what what kind of spurred this? Um, why did I pick this topic? Was um, the Alec Bradley uncut teaser, which was um, you know they were promoting this big uncut thing, and then it looked like it was going to be a pairing. And I guess from a cigar enthusiast point of view, I was left like, "Huh, I, this is it." <laughs> I I wasn't excited about it. Like I, I but maybe I don't know. Because all it was is they had announced a new rye, right? It was just some new rye, and they were pairing some Alec Bradley cigars with it. So I, I just was kind of left like, well, what is? I didn't see a lot of people in the, I didn't see a lot of cigar people excited about it, at all. I said, you know, I, I just didn't see the excitement level happen with it. And I'm not and- knocking the project or anything <clears throat> like that. I think it's a cool project, but I don't know. To me, it was missing something when it when it came out. And I mean, what's funny about that, Coop, is, you know, that's not Alec, like Alec Bradley as a brand, I would say over the years has had a lot of association with other liquor brands. Like uh, for, for many, for many years, there was kind of a, a, 
loose association with uh, pairing with Glenfiddich uh, and Glenfiddich products. Yep. Uh, and I mean, that's been, I got to say 10 plus years that that's kind of casually been here and there in, in pairing yeah. events. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're certainly no stranger to that. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm not knocking the product. I know they, I know that this is something I think they were working on prior to the acquisition too. I think this was something that Alec was working on for a long time. So I'm not trying to diss the project. I, to me, that thing, the only way that project would have captured more of a cigar enthusiast is if they had had a cigar that they blended for that. So I think it was, you know, I just, I just don't think people are going to get excited about taking your Alec Bradley double broadleaves and now suddenly having it with this. I just didn't see people saying, I got to go do that, you know? That was Although I will say now, now that you've said that, the double broadleaf and a rye kind of kind of sounds like a pretty good pairing to me like that you know that might actually be a really good pairing because you get the spice of the rye and you get the sweetness of the double broadleaf but it's a very limited that rye that rye's tough to get it's a it's a small of course there you go so it's a very small batch right yeah. so i mean you could do you can't really do events with that thing because yeah. you know you can't move those bottles or you'd have to it's hard to do events with that right is what i'm saying so I kind of just, is it, I'm kind of trying to see, I mean, maybe I see it from Alec Bradley's point of view that they're trying to capture the spirits people into cigars. That, that part I can right. definitely see, and that's a smart move. I just think, again, us who tend to be more on the cigar side, it, I, don't, I think it fell a little flat with us. Well, and there's still a lot of states where you can't even have booze in, in cigar shops. Yes. Right. So for in, in a case like that, it, it all, especially if they're, you know, states where your brand is doing well, you know, you got to analyze that beforehand before you're going to put the investment into a project that's based solely around pairing with one yep. particular spirit. Yep. If you pigeonhole yourself too much, I think that's, I think that's yep. a, not a good move. If you, if you basically say this cigar was made to pair, pair with this exact spirit, uh, you know, and I get collaboration products like Diplomatico and, you know, right. you, have, you know, rabbit hole where not only do you have the whiskey aged leaves, but you've also got, you know, where they do kind of tell you to, to pair it with the spirit. I, I think you you just have to be, in my opinion, it's better for cigar companies to be kind of more broad with it, unless they're specifically doing a brand partnership like Cohiba and Weller and so on and so forth. Right. Or Buffalo. Someone mentioned Buffalo Trace as well. Which yes. Is, uh, yeah. Which that one, we don't hear a lot about that one, but that's more of a CI thing. Uh, and I heard they do well with that brand, that Buffalo Chase brand. So I don't want, maybe that's an example, but I've heard that one has done well. Again, I think, you know, you're shooting, um, you're shooting a shotgun in a, in a barn with that brand because Buffalo, Buffalo Chase is kind of one of the top producing bourbon brands in the market. So yep. certainly a good choice because they've got a wide selection of product. Um, I think to Matt's point, if you keep it uh, sort of, if you say within the family of Buffalo Trace, within the family of this cigar product, you're probably going to have a much wider net to cast because you're not narrowing it down to one specific Buffalo Trace product, which might be very difficult to get depending on what state you're in, let alone, you know, any Buffalo Trace product. Yeah. You know, I've seen, I've seen like, I remember um another thing was with beer ben do you remember i think we may have talked about this ben when we did the casada show but do you remember the cao beer pairing project that they did where they oh, sent yeah. us yeah they actually sent us beers they actually sent us bottles of beer and they sent cigars and they were recommending pairings with them right 
which I, again, I thought it was an interesting, con- I, I never would have thought you could pair an IPA with a cigar. And, and they actually found ways to do this, right? But I never felt they capitalized on that afterwards. It was like, okay, it was out there. We went through a fun exercise, but I never felt they did anything to try to advance that as a concept is what I'm saying. I don't think it helped any of those brands because there were some old CAO brands that they had in there, like CAO, I think I think the CAO Gold was one of them that was in there. Do you um do you remember the Smoking Monk series? I think Drew Estate came out with the Smoking Monk series, which I think was a series of yep. I want to say five different cigars that were specifically uh, designed to be paired with a particular style of beer, not a specific brand of beer. Um, and yeah. so they used different tobacco types, and it, I mean it was around for a while. Um, yeah. But it, I think it's just a brand that kind of faded away, and and so you know I do wonder. There's a lot of beer drinkers out there, but. Uh, you know, was it just a thing where it just didn't capture the attention of, of, of beer drinkers because maybe they tend not to, like, is it more spirit people that tend to pair rather than beer people? It, you know, it's kind of a, a complex uh, thing, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, Aaron, yeah, per- you- Perdomo had a series like that, a beer series like that as well. The, oh, yeah, they the had the beer series. Craft beer, yeah. which, actually, which I thought they were pretty good cigars. Yeah, they were. I mean, the, well, the Dragon's Milk one too. That oh, dragon's yeah, milk. Yeah, Asylum yeah. did that. That was a great cigar. I bought one of those. They were in the milk cartons. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I and I bought great one. Beer. Of, yeah. Uh, I, in fact, I got. I really like that dragon's. I got that. Okay, that got me. That got my attention because I went and bought dragon's milk beer for a while after that. Yeah. That one got my attention, but I smoked the before I had the dragon's milk. That got me as a cigar enthusiast to try the dragon's milk beer, but then the dragon's milk cigar went away. Like these tend to be very limited and then they just go away. And then it's like, you know, well, I think especially when there's an actual brand name on the project, the, the contract terms are limited. Yeah. With dragon's milk from, you know, the, the beer company, I think it was like, you can, it it was either limited to the term of a certain, you know, number of years, or it was limited to the term of a certain number of units. Yes. Yeah. And it may be the same with, the Weller project with Cohiba, although Cohiba being a part of STG, you know, they have they have enough capital to put forth a pretty long term project contract. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there were I mean, there have been there have been others. Uh, and um, again, there's, you know, the rabbit hole with with diesel yep. uh, being part of STG. That's probably a long term contract as well. Right, yeah, and, they just and then the diplomatico with, uh, well, well, Favili or Mambacho, who's you know, uh, uh, you know, dust in the wind. Yeah, which great, I don't think great rum though. Great rum, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think yeah. this cigar ever caught on. I don't know. I think the ones that capitalize on it the most, honestly, is the Oktoberfest cigars. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be the single most successful long running, um, quote unquote, open style pair that's cigar. I think call. on the market. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't even think about that. It's a great call. I mean, yeah. the thing is about that cigar, I'm not really a beer guy, but when I have the Oktoberfest, I feel like I need to have a beer with it. We we did the beers those night. We picked some beers. I, yeah. I, yeah, we I picked like sure did. stouts and stuff. And we tried to do it. Don't get me wrong. But um, but that one, I do think they, but I still think that's more about the cigar. I still think that's become more about the cigar at this point than, than the pairing. That would be my feeling on this. Is, the brand is successful. They've been doing it like 11 or 12 years right now. I think 12 years they've been doing that one. 
Aaron, I was going that long. Wow. 2011. Yeah. Debut in 2011. I think they did it all but one year. I think the pandemic year, they didn't do it. So I think that was the only year they didn't release it. Oh, there was the uh, Camacho did that uh, thing with the uh, barrel age series, the the 10 fitty. The uh, Oscar blues. The Imperial thing, right? Was the Imperial stout? Was it? I I believe so. Yeah. The barrel. It was, yeah, it was an original dojo release, and then it went like into a small batch afterwards. But again, I heard those those barrels are tough to get and yeah. limited in what you can well, do. And I think it, I think it's all already off the books. I don't I don't think that's in production anymore. I think all those. Are, I think the American barrels and the Nicaraguan barrels are gone. Yeah, they're they're all gone. And and that was a big push with Camacho, like two thousand. I want to say two thousand fifteen around that point. They were really pushing that one. Um, yeah, I personally know some people that really miss those, um, they, the barrel age series. Aaron, do you remember they did the distillery editions of those? Yeah, and those were good, those were good cigars. I remember the Connecticut was actually pretty good, I believe. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the Connecticut, probably one was that I thought that was the best one. Yeah, yeah I do they, remember that series because they what they did with those distilleries, they took like Camacho, Connecticut, and then they just aged something one of the tobaccos yeah. in those barrels and it was like it was actually pretty good with that but they they didn't continue that one either Aaron I was going to ask you because you you did a lot of stuff during the pandemic uh with Jeff and Corona yeah um and I know some of the, like some of those were very interesting those shows were interesting it got me to buy some of those pairing kits actually not yeah. that I don't think Jeff was really trying to he was trying to sell them but I don't think it was a hard sell it was kind of like it was cool if you want to buy it and they would I think Jeff did if you, by the way, those Corona cigar pairing kits—they still have them. They're great yeah. value. They're great yeah. value. Um, you get you get a lot for your buck with that. But did you feel did anything really come at that? Do you think with those things? Uh, I think it was more of a kind of just in the situation kind of a thing, you know, just because of you know people couldn't actually go to the shops and go to the bar or whatever, and this was an opportunity for them to you know order online and kind of be able to have that experience yeah. that they might have if they went if they went to the shop. Um, so I mean, I think it was okay for kind of the position that everybody was in, uh, and there was eyes on pretty much any show that was kind of happening around that time, because that's the only way people were able to really communicate, uh, for a little while. Um, but to me, pairings, I'm not a fan of pairings for, and this may just be me, but it's really hard to, you have to nail a pairing because, um, otherwise you're not having, you're not enjoying either of the items to their fullest potential right yeah if they don't go together like you got to pour out you you lit the cigar like you know you're gonna you could pick one to dump or you could just power through it and just kind of be like okay this is all right yeah um so i i don't have enough of a alcohol library to like go through and say this is the perfect one for this cigar especially if it's not a cigar i smoked before um and for i think i think the palates of cigar smokers the cigar side is the hardest part of the palate because I think it changes more than the spirit would for different people, right? I think yeah. with the spirits, you're kind of going to be around the core of what the spirit is supposed to be, right? But for the cigar, I think it can be in any direction for people. So that's it's kind of tough to say this is this is the pairing for this cigar, right? You know, a sommelier can do their best job to get there, but it's not going to always work. So yeah, um, you know, I think that's kind of where that lies out. Um, yeah. And look, alcohol is not cheap. I mean, beer, you could do it. You could buy, you know, you could buy singles of craft beer or whatever and do whatever you want. But it, you, 
if you're gonna buy a bottle to try to pair, you know, you're just shelling out 40, 40 bucks probably at a minimum, right? Um, and it's gonna go up from there. You can easily get into the you know, hundred dollar bottles, and it's like that's a lot of money to spend to find yeah. out something didn't work, especially if you're like a cigar smoker that has like three, you know, three different brands they like to yeah. smoke. So like if it doesn't fit, you know, and not everybody has access to like a, you know, a lounge that has liquor that you can just get a pour from to see if it works. So. Right. Right. And that's what I was going to say about the, um, that's what I mean. Some of these cigars are like, you know, it's a $20 Davidoff, you know, late, late hour or something like that. I'm just saying they're, yeah. they're not cheap either with that. Yeah. And well, the, you know, the other thing too is, you know, a lot of these companies, when they when they do these pairings and stuff, like take for instance the Drew Estate Blackened, you know, or or the Weller or whatever, always seem to pick shit you can't find anywhere. That's what I was yeah. going with that. You it's know, the, 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 I mean, you can't find this stuff exactly. Yeah, I, and when I you find like the Weller Blackened, right there, do what? <laughs> I got a bottle of Weller right there. I mean, I've got some too, but you can't just go out and say, you know, I'm going to go buy a bottle of Weller real quick. Yeah, that's, that's you're not doing that. But like yeah. the Blacken, right? I've I've only seen that at one store so far, and it was like ninety bucks for that bottle. I'm not doing that. I'm not buying that. You know? That's do I want to try the pairing between the two? Yeah, hell yeah, I do. But I'm not paying ninety bucks for that. I mean, I'm a huge Metallica fan, massive Metallica fan, but I was. That's Sorry. the limited. I think there's one that's I think I paid a lot less for the regular bottle, but I think the limiteds are about that price. But I think you yeah, the, the regular issue stuff is is not I think it's more in the sixty dollar range. It still wasn't and, cheap. So I was gonna yeah, say that. Yeah, I mean sixty sixty's not cheap. And I, I'll I'll say I haven't bought both bottles, but I've tried both the bourbon and the rye from Blackened. And I prefer the rye actually, which is kind of outside of my wheelhouse. I I'm usually not a rye lover but of those two bottles i i thought the rye was a better pour yeah i think i think you can have a lot more success if you can market that through a lounge that has you know like if you have a lounge that has a wide selection of liquor i think that's probably a really good uh marketing angle to say you know you can go to this shop or this shop or this shop you can pick up our cigar but also there's a selection of different products that you can also pour and you're not committed to, like Ben was saying, I mean, I have a, a catalog of whiskey and, and it's only a small sampling of what's available in the market. So to be able to go into a lounge and say, yeah, I'll take a pour of the M81 or I'll take a pour of Weller uh, and be able to pair that with yep. a cigar is a lot more approachable for most people than to you know have to have to pony up a hundred plus the cigar. Yeah. Well, I well, really like... I really like a point that Aaron made, and that was about you know the the palate differences between cigars and and spirits. Mm. And even though I I love pairing just for the sort of the the thrill of the chase of like finding that that next fun, cool, good pairing that even especially the surprising ones where you either find a some kind of beverage and and a particular cigar blend that in your head beforehand, you're like, there's no way this is going to be good. And when it's good, it's, it's a lot of fun, but I love how Aaron put that because he's right that when you're, you know, because there's a lot more input sense, sensor, sensorily um, from a cigar, because it's not just the mouth and the palate. It's the, it's the nasal passages, it's the sinuses. And it's also the environment that we're in. Like if you're in a room that has, 
you know, if you're in a garage that, you know, you work on cars in, you're going to have oil smells and gasoline smells, or if you're in a, if you're in a cigar shop that doesn't have good air quality. So it just kind of smells like stale cigar is pasted on the walls. Yeah. You know, and where if you drink a spirit, um, you know, that's, that's basically, you know, tongue, palate, throat, swallow, you're done. And, um, there's, you know, I mean, obviously you nose it, you know, you put it up to your nose and you just like wines and, and all that, but you know, that you're not doing both at the same time with the spirit, you know, you, you can't, you can't nose the, the spirit and drink it at the same time. Whereas with a cigar, you can, you can blow the cigar smoke out of your nose and your mouth simultaneously and, and have that sort of full experience. So I really like that. Yeah. And I think you guys are all kind of saying it. I think the experiential component of a pairing is really good, whether it's an event or some sort of experience type of thing. I think that is something that works well. I think that's where I've seen this work the best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yep. Well, all right. You guys, I thought you guys were going to beat me up on my uh, <laughs> position on this one. You're saying I was nuts, right? Uh, so. Well, it's only it's it's almost an hour only through the first one, so yeah. So we're going to go later. We're going to go. <laughs> we, all right, let's get to the second topic here. All right. So the second topic is my question is to everyone: How real is the threat to cigar media from the government? So where am I going with this? I just have this feeling based on some of the studies that are going on that they are going to get ready to turn the heat up on us as cigar media. And we're going to start seeing a lot of restrictions come in, whether it's advertising, whether it's even using ISPs to do what we're doing. And I, we, I, I just don't, I like even said, I don't, I talked to the PCA on it. Like bear and I had Glenn and Josh on the show and they've acknowledged it's a problem. But I don't feel there's a sense of urgency on it from anybody. And when I say media, don't forget, everyone's doing media, not just us, right? So you have retailers doing media. You have cigar companies doing media, right? And if suddenly these channels are cut off, I, I think uh, it's a problem. So my question is, am I too paranoid about this? Uh, is this a real threat? What are you guys, what are you guys thinking about? Because this has got me, this is giving, this is what will keep me up at night. If I'm thinking about this. So I'll jump in again. Um, and I have two initial thoughts. One is uh, Canada, of course, always at the forefront of crushing the cigar industry. Uh, there's actually uh, legislation in place right now in Canada where uh, if you have a podcast company, a distribution company, that's like an actual company distributing a podcast network, you actually have to register now that podcast network with the government. Uh, now, not specifically from the tobacco angle, but more specifically from the the rules that surround broadcasting uh, television and radio are now going to be applied to the podcast network. Now, I'm sure they're going to you know, do what they always do, which is they're going to do the slow frog boil. They're going to start it out very tepid and then slowly turn up the heat. But I find that extremely alarming uh, because, you know, the wild west of the Internet has always been relatively untouched by by that sort of legislation yep. and uh that definitely got my attention because it it certainly takes things in a, in a in a frightening way and i think the other part of that and and we've all seen it is the the slow screw turning that's been happening with uh apple 
with YouTube, with Google, uh, just making their their various hosting networks uh, increasingly less friendly to tobacco. And, uh, you know, now with the hosting companies being being pressuring uh, tobacco sort of media and, and, and entertainment venues, I think it's a very realistic threat to say you've already got uh, being attacked on one side and now you have the government coming in and, and seemingly taking a very real approach to limiting advertising and limiting a number of these things. It doesn't take much for them to say, hey, you can't advertise, you can't have a banner of tobacco on your show because that's considered advertising. You can't have show reads of tobacco because that's advertising. And that is uh, tr- truly, that is where tobacco got killed in Canada is when they killed off any sort of advertising, any sort of Facebook ads, any sort of mention of tobacco uh, that really killed that whole avenue in Canada. So uh, if anything, Coop, as always, I think that the cigar industry is very slow to respond to threats like that uh, until that threat is actually knocking on the door that they start to respond. And I think that that threat is uh, very, very real and and sort of rearing a very ugly head currently. You know, yeah. And there's two things. Obviously, there's the private, there's the private you know, company thing, which is like what YouTube and all of them are doing. Now there's the government, which is the second thing. But, you know, on the private thing, John, actually, this banner back here, when we switched, when I switched to um, from to this Perdomo as a sponsor, one thing I asked them is not to put the word cigar on there because I didn't want anything scraping or picking. You know, apparently these algorithms are sophisticated. So I asked them not to put the word cigar on there just uh, to play it safe. Um, But, yeah, I, I am. John, that's a that. So let me ask you about that registration of this, right? So what if you just use Podbean to do your? Like you you have a podcast, you put it on Podbean. So I, I think currently, year, not, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think uh, currently it wouldn't count unless Podbean was registered to distribute in Canada. Um, but oftentimes, the way this legislation tends to operate is that, uh, regardless. So again, I think they're focusing on the network side of things rather than individual podcasters. But if you were to operate pod, you know, Podbean LLC Canada, then now that would be responsible to uh, basically apply and, and follow their rules. And and I assume the net result would be Podbean would say, okay, yeah. well, we're just going to cancel yeah. our network in Canada because, you know, Canadians have lost their yeah. minds and we're not going to bother participating. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, that's scary stuff. Well, I have one sort of short and sweet thought about this, and it may be a little controversial, but I really don't care. Um, So I don't know if the PCA as an organization necessarily is super concerned about this because now they have their own built-in media arm. But that that would get shut down too. But... I agree with you. I, I agree. I think there's not a sense of urgency with the PC. I, think- I don't, I don't know if I, I think, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. The PCA caring for and working for the retailers is first and foremost, right. the cigar shops. That's first and foremost. Cause that's what this, right. It, that's what the organization was founded to do. But um, and we talked about this at the media press conference at the trade show in July with Scott and the other people from PCA. 
that we have concerns about the fact that um, the PCA is, at least on some level, competing with Cigar Coop and developing pallets. And how about that cigar and Cigar Dojo and so on and so forth. And um, I don't believe they're trying that PCA is trying to get rid of us. That's not what I'm saying. But if they're, trying comes, to push an, they're trying to push their own agenda is what they're trying to but do. But if it, if it comes down to it and the PCA has to make a choice whether or not they're going to um, – I don't want to use the term throw us under the bus because that's not what I mean. But um, sort of uh, – let the world do what it's going to do to us cigar podcasters and, and reviewers and media people um, so that they can focus on other things. I think that's what the PCA is going to do. Uh, and in the grand scheme of the premium cigar industry, I don't even know if that's necessarily a bad thing. It's bad for us right? as cigar podcasters and, and, um, and reviewers and and for those that are journalists i don't consider myself in that uh, vein but um it's it's very tricky for us as cigar media and for the pca as an organization and i agree that there's it's going to reach a point where it's it's not pretty for any of us as far as whether or not i think that's going to be anytime soon in the united states no I think we're we're years away from uh, I government, think years, government shutdowns or or something like that. So I think we're years away from it, too. But I think we're not years away from it being proposed. That's what I'm concerned with. I agree. Yeah. Now, yeah, and I think good, John. Building on that, cube, I think I think people need to realize just like with banning flavored cigars or, or banning um, cigars based on weight. Uh, it's not something that happens overnight. And I think sometimes people in the industry feel that they're not under threat until there's a legislation that says, okay, we're banning all flavored cigars across the United States starting April 1st. That's not how that works. I mean, if you do that sort of heavy handed legislation, you get a lot of resistance. And so what they do is they do it death by a thousand cuts. So, you know, the way that you uh, limit tobacco is you start by saying, okay, well, tobacco can't sponsor Formula One anymore, and tobacco can't do television advertising, and tobacco can't do social media advertising. And, you know, it becomes very easy to cut that off. And a good example of, uh, and this would certainly hurt you, Coop, and hurt any, you know, professional media cigar company out there to say, you can't take, you can't take sponsorship anymore from tobacco companies because yeah. that's considered influencing the audience and that would have massive ramifications for professional people who do cigar media uh, because they depend on that money to keep you know contrary to popular belief we actually don't survive just based on free samples i mean we do joke about it but the the advertising dollars do uh keep the media efforts afloat right. i mean we do spend an enormous amount of our own incomes because we're ridiculous and we love the industry uh, but ultimately, if that source of funding was cut off, that would have very, very, very significant 
impact. And, and you know, I, I don't think I underscore it by saying the landscape of cigar media would be probably largely wiped out overnight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, look at what happened to Ferdinand out in uh, right. Singapore. I mean, in it, Singapore. Was, it was more than that. Not only could he not take advertising, anything he put out there was considered advertising. They're definitely for advertising. He reads the cigar. He's promoting the brand. He talks about he's, indu- he's inducing people to smoke cigars. Yeah. Yeah. That's what how yeah. they looked at it. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we're not at that point, but but absolutely uh, for sure. But I want to go back to Matt's point because he and Jay made a comment as well. So I I hate to say it, okay. This is the respect to him. I don't think the PCA is looking at the survival of cigar coop, developing palettes, smoking syndicate, or how about that cigar? But I'm looking at some of these companies that have massively invested in in media, Drew Estate with the whole um uh freestyle live. I mean Cigar Authority has a has built a major studio off that. Abe has invested a lot. Those are the ones I'm wondering if, if those if they are silenced. Well, maybe, you know, that's when I think maybe they'll start looking out because now there's member constituents that are, you know, again, I'm not considering ourselves stakeholder members of the PCA. That's when I think maybe the sense of urgency will get turned on, turned, you know, turned up. Yeah, and just to clarify, I'm not I'm not saying that the PCA doesn't care about us. No, I'm not either. I think they've been very like, look, I think we've had much better support from the PCA in the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I believe the that the PCA does care about yeah. the the cigar media yep. who who you know put in the work and the effort and the time that includes everybody on this panel right now and many, many more. And I believe the PCA has deep respect for that. And I think they, like you said, Coop, I think they've done a fantastic job at, at sort of vetting for the last few years. And um, that's been great for us as media organizations, but if it, if it ever comes down to a time that the PCA does have to make a choice to either continue supporting independent cigar media and i'm talking non-print cigar media yeah um and obviously in today's day and age print cigar media also has online presence but i'm talking about exclusively digital non-print cigar media um if if the pca does come down to the point where they they have to make a choice i believe they're going to make it and it makes me sad, but I, even, even though it would affect how about that cigar, I can't fault the PCA for that because again, the organization at its core is supposed to support the retailers. And if, if supporting cigar media means that's going to endanger retailers, this is going to sound really weird. I'll, I'll, I'll shut the whole, I'll shut. How about that cigar down? If, if, if how about that cigar has the potential to endanger cigar retailers, I will shut it down. Period. Yeah. But how would you, okay. So what would be something like, what would, what do you mean by that? But just by, well, if if it, if it comes down to a point where the, the government is going to try to get so involved that they would consider 
even just spoken words on a podcast or a talking head on a web show like this um, is in some way, shape or form advertising, you know, just interviewing somebody from a cigar brand. If, if they can, if the government in their infinite wisdom um, decides that that is somehow advertising or promotion of tobacco products and tobacco consumption, and they want to shut that down and that yeah. has the potential to adversely affect business of retailers i don't want to get in the i don't want to get in the way of retailers doing business i don't i don't want to endanger somebody's because this is not my livelihood uh right. and i don't i don't want to endanger somebody's livelihood um, so I'm, I, I'm, I always try to look at things from a super pragmatic point of view and sometimes it gets me in trouble, but, um, you know, I just, um, it's a very tricky situation and, and I don't envy the PCA and, and I don't envy me or any other cigar media person who's, you know, trying, just, just trying to stay on the air and continue to, you know, let cigar brands tell their stories and and give give good and fun uh relevant information to cigar consumers you know um i want to keep doing it and if the government stays out of the way and just allows consenting adults to be consenting adults great but they don't necessarily the government doesn't necessarily have a good track record at doing that <laughs> Matt, you brought up another point that I wanted to go um, with that. Uh, you mentioned print media and and like the one the one print media that could probably move the dial maybe with this if they wanted to. And I don't think they want to. And this is my cynical hat is cigar aficionado. I think I think it, if anything, online media has been a been a thorn in their side. And uh, if they could get everyone back to reading a magazine again, they would do it. I don't know if they necessarily want to get everybody back to reading magazines, but if they had the opportunity to take over the premium cigar media market and be the only player in town, I think they would jump at it. And honestly, I mean, can you blame them? I, I guess I, I, I can't blame them. I mean, look, I can't blame them. Now, I think if they went up, if they if there's threats against print media advertising, which is a threat, by the way, that is a real threat as yeah. well, because some of that NASM study showed those they showed the uh, what was it? They showed the Fuente ad and they showed, I think, a Drew Estate ad. They may have shown the Pete Johnson ad. I'm not sure about that one. But um, but yeah, I mean, then then, you know, I think then you'd see them get involved. Yeah. And it kind of goes in stages. I mean what what year was it that that they outlawed cigarette commercials on tv 70 or 71 i actually think it may yeah i actually remember a couple of cigarette commercials on tv very young so it was around that time so i, I remember for yeah i remember cigar commercials on tv and i think that was maybe 79 or 80 that they got that they outlawed cigar commercials uh but it, it did what i'm saying is Cigarettes and cigars happened at different times. Yeah. As far as that sort of that type of government regulation. And I, I mean, believe I believe 
Dave Garofalo's run some TV commercials, though. So it may depend. It may be cable. It may be up to the public airwaves. But I think Dave okay. Garofalo did some two guys commercials. I remember seeing. A few yeah. Years ago. Yeah, but you know the obviously there's. I mean, I I haven't searched for it, so maybe there is some out there. I don't I don't know if there's any people on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram doing cig cigarette reviews or you know talking about sick i don't think that happens um like no, I said, I I, it doesn't show up in my feed so it uh, doesn't although yeah it doesn't i, I haven't i've actually no i haven't i haven't seen it and I, I, I don't think they would i don't think those those social media companies would want that and i think there is a good chance regardless yeah. well regardless of whether the government claims uh that they're involved you know that because you know, these big tech companies, I'm not sorry to open a conspiracy theory box, but it's really not. It's, you know, the the people who own and run the, the biggest tech companies are have close relationships with legislators and lawmakers. Yep. And um, they also have a lot of monetary influence. And if it's possible that, you know, tomorrow or next week or next year or five years from now uh youtube facebook instagram TikTok, um uh, twitter all of them could pull the plug and say if it's tobacco related in any way shape or form it's shut down permanently yep and then you know we we can put it on our private servers but then maybe there's a point where they go after the isps next they could go after the ISPs, but right. I'll say I don't I have neither the capital nor the time to do that. No. And I think there are few who do in, yeah. in in our world. You know, the people that we spend time with online and the people that we spend time with and our friends and in, in cigar media at trade shows and other events. There are few who have the capital and the time to manage and host their own platforms it's from very, yeah, from the yeah. ground up yeah um the other thing i'll just say on that and i was talking to dan thompson about this the um you know how this one thing that they these studies have been talking about is age gating okay and in most cases the age gating is an absolute they they, they realize the age gating is a total sham right if you go to some of the dan showed me a couple of cigarette sites where they have age gating and you have to register for the site. But in order to register for the site, you have to submit like a whole process, like literally submit an ID, right? And go through a validation to get your stuff approved, right? So could you imagine if someone now had to do that for Cigar Coop? Like I'd have to, first of all, I'd have to implement that. Second of all, it probably shut me down because it's too, it's probably going to just cut my traffic so drastically, right? It's probably going to hurt me in, in Google searches and everything right now that would just shut me down, even though if I if, I, if we had to put that type of age gating in um, someday, it, you know, it, it'd just be we it would be the end. There's no way I could I could sustain that. I don't even know what it would cost to do that verification. But even if it was cheap, I still think I'd lose so much traffic. It would be done. Same with half wheel or any of us. If we had to put that age gate on our websites. Yeah. So it's that's another thing that's kind of when Dan showed me that I'm like. 
Well, that's, I could see them now trying to apply that to cigars. You know, oh, if we do it for cigarettes. Let's do it for cigars. It's, you know, we make, because I think that is a federal mandate to do that, by the way, in some cases. All right. Anything else on this topic anyone wants to talk about before we go to the third topic? All right. So this next topic, this may be a little bit of a, a flamethrower. It's not meant to throw any flames here. But I'm talking about cigar media as a whole, not just us on this panel, but uh, a lot of other people who do cigar media. And, you know, we see these end of year lists come up. We see what's reviewed. And I almost think, and you guys could yell at me and say I'm wrong. I almost think if you look at what Hector would call collective cigar media as a whole, that there's a bias in favor of boutiques. Am I right or wrong with that? That we're more skewed for boutiques. And we tend to just, the boutiques tend to get priority. The boutiques probably get more attention than they deserve. Now, I'm not saying that's the way we've operated. I think all of us on this panel have done a good job at balancing that. So this is not directed at anyone at at this panel. But I think when I look at it as a whole, I can, I've been actually accused by some consumers saying I'm anti-boutique. That that's so, you know, and I should be doing what all these other sites do. So I'm kind of curious if there's if anyone's got some thoughts on that one. Yeah, I would definitely say it's skewed more boutique, hundred percent. I mean, because a lot, and it's, and it's mainly because those boutique brands, you know, are new and. Um, they're up and coming. So they, they will actually reach out to different, you know, media outlets and, you know, and they'll, they'll interact more with the, with the consumer and with the media outlets. So they'll send cigars for review and, you know, and, and a lot of times that's kind of the, the hot thing on the market was this new boutique. Oh, check this out. You know, I discovered it first. Like I got the first review out of this, this hot new brand, this cigar or whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of always been like that. I mean, and I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I'm, I mean, I remember back when a lot of these brands now we consider established cigar companies were, the, they were the original boutiques and it was like that back then. But, you know, so I definitely see that because you, some of the bigger brands, they don't really care, uh, you know, if, if we review their stuff or not. They don't. And then. But they, but we know people in bigger bands who get pretty butthurt on stuff, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, true. But we do. Yeah. But 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 for the most part, you're right. Like I know, you know, like we get a lot of stuff from from STG. We just can't review it all sometimes. I mean, we've told them, and they're great about still sending us the products so at least try. So I think they they have like I know STG's got a very reasonable reputation, uh, you know, expectation rather on that. Um, and reputation, they've been good about supporting us on stuff like that. And I think STG's been the one company I think that has supported a lot of media uh big or small early on so i always will, will give them credit on that yeah they're um, one of the best at that yeah I mean, matter of fact i got a review coming out tomorrow that's an stg cigar is it a justin cigar no absolutely not it must be a good review then right <laughs> <laughs> by the way justin's in cigar celebrity death match tonight just so you're aware so i might have fun with that one yeah <laughs> So, no, I, I agree. With you. I think, Ben, you made a very good point that, um, you know, when we're starting out, we 
we tend to, this is what I've noticed when you start out, the smaller companies tend to find you first, right? And I think they actually try to seek out. They're, they're willing to talk to you. They're willing to talk to you. There's smaller companies that I could tell you have avoided me, right? Uh, not because not because they don't like me or anything, but I think they they just probably see what's on the content that I have on my website isn't maybe that skewed towards them, right? So they go to there's, there's there are outlets out there that will give them that audience. So there's nothing wrong with I'm not I'm not faulting that at all, by the way. But I think the other thing that you mentioned, Ben, good point, and and I think Aaron, we've tried to do this even on this show is we try to find the uh, diamond in the rough at times, even if it's a guest or if it's a cigar, we definitely try to find that um, from time to time, you know, because I think, you know, and I, I, one good example, if you guys go way back, was the original Emilio brand when Gary Griffith mm-hmm. was out there. Oh, yeah. And that guy worked, that guy worked media like really well. Like, he got this little brand out there and every, it was like the talk of of Facebook and Twitter when that was, when that was out there like, 12 years ago with Gary Griffith. Yeah, for me, um, obviously, cigar media is a wide landscape, so there's different things that are out there. But um, I think there's like a there's a bit of a natural progression in how kind of media people work. Is you know they they get in. Yeah. Obviously, they probably have easier contact with smaller brands, especially if they're attending the trade show, because smaller brands have less traffic, easier to get to somebody. You can kind of you know, get started there. And that, that's no problem. That's the way you, sh- you know, that's the way it's going to happen. You're going to get in there, get your foot in the door with some, if you keep moving along, you'll start, you know, m- making other contacts and things like that. Um, and that's natural. And I think that's the, the right progression to go. And then you try to, if, you know, if you're doing it right, you're trying to keep that balance of, you know, get, you know, getting, getting everybody some, some showtime kind of a thing. Uh, but there are times where some media people, um, feel like they need to stay small or stay with the small guys right to like keep their roots or show that they're not selling out or i i don't know what the reason is but then they limit themselves and they get they get stuck in this thing and they have they then now they have to like now they have to lie to you and tell you how great all these small brand cigars are every time they release something and it's like nah man they're they're not all winners like this is this this is not how it works. Right. Like there's a lot of stuff out there. Everybody makes good a good cigar. Everybody makes bad cigars. Right? It's just the way it works. You can't be you can't you can't just be in this small group and feel like hey everything's great. Right. Everybody else is missing out. It just doesn't fly like that. So the biases that people have, as there always are, come out. But some people get stuck in these areas, and maybe it's you know it's just the certain brands that they like, whatever it is. But um, yeah, it, it happens. And I, I, I'm sad when I see those media entities that kind of lock themselves into these groups and, and then you kind of feel like they're you feel like they're trapped and they can't the, the only the only people holding them captive is themselves and they can't they can't break out of it. And they're just stuck. And it's just like, ah, yeah. I'm not really going to I'm not. I mean, I, I could break that imaginary glass box that you're in, but I can't find it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like you talking about when you just early on is like. When you're first starting out, you know, you need to help generate traffic. So, and this, this boutique cigar company, they need, you know, to get yep. them, their name out there. So it's like a mutual, mutually beneficial kind of arrangement yep. thing. Yep. But I, I do, Aaron, you, you nailed it about some of them get stuck on that about just being boutique. 
being almost anti-establishment, almost like the punk yeah. rock of, of cigar <laughs> right. me or some crap, you yeah. know? Right, like, oh, but, I got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, you know, and also I've, I've noticed this too, it's almost like some of them, they start seeing like the brand owners as like their buddies, their, their, yep. their best friend. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta protect my buddy. I gotta do all this stuff for my buddy. I right. get to smoke these blends. Yeah. He wants to know what I think. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, feel, yeah. I feel, look, we, we've all felt like that. It's true. Um, yeah. Well, it's if you a, truly, if you truly care about him, you're going to tell him the truth. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's a double-edged sword because a lot of times I'll get a company, they reach out to me. They're in two stores, right? Um, or they're not in any stores yet, and they're looking to use me to kind of boost them, right? In reality, I'm not I'm doing them a disservice by saying if I'm gonna boost them. They're just not gonna get the traffic, unfortunately, right? So I, I look at to try to build a relationship with them and then kind of see where the relationship goes. And then, you know, if I, I get a relationship, I understand the company, I see if they're growing, then then it makes some then it makes some sense, you know, to to kind of um you know, progress with if Crux was a great example with that. I mean, when Crux started, they they were really unknown, but there was, you know, they they really worked with us and they, you know, they told us the story and the factories that work went and I think they built up really really nicely. But but reality is I gotta still it goes back to I could tell you that the big four on Cigar Coop is almost half the traffic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's enormous. Mm-hmm. And then you add in Fuente Rocky Patrell uh padrone in there now you're getting into 60 70 percent of the traffic like and that's that's what's keeping the lights on here so but then you want to you don't want to you don't you you know look you, you want to support the small guy but it's tough unfortunately so again i i get some of these outlets that do that but again i think there was one media outlet i saw this year covered the trade show and they did a great job the problem is they went to every boutique company and they didn't go to any of the big companies um, and I, you know, I kind of, did, I thought they did a disservice to themselves because I think had they kind of knocked on a few doors, I think they, some of the doors would have been answered and I think they would have did a good job with some of those bigger companies. They just, they chose to deliberately seek out the smaller companies at, at, at the, at the, at the uh, trade show. Well, yeah, well, it's like we, you know, we talked about in our little, we have, you know, we have an offline group chat that we have. Yeah. We we're talking about, you know, reviewing, you know, more established cigars right and and i and I, I mentioned this too like up until the final days of stugger review our number one viewed review was a part of us black yeah you know it's and it's all if you if you go to the top 10 you know it's still it, it's like you said coop it's all of the larger companies because they're the people are interested in them because they're more readily available Yep. If I reviewed some boutique that you could only get in seven stores, people don't generally care because they can't get it. They don't. They don't care if I say, "Oh my god, this is the best cigar I've ever smoked in my life." It's a hundred points. Blah blah blah. It doesn't matter if they can't get it. They don't care. Yeah. You know. So you're right. If you if you stick to just boutiques, you're you're messing up. Now you're like like Aaron said when you're first starting out. That's your best way. Of That's your best going, way, and you right? should. And then, and then you shouldn't turn the back on. By the way, you shouldn't turn your back on those people who got you started. Um, either. I mean, that's. For, I think that's really important. No, you got to keep that. You that a good, a good, a good entity can maintain the balance. 
Emilio Emil, right. is a great example of that with me. And that carried over. I got to meet, you know, from Gary to Scott Zucker to James Brown, it kind of went. So, yeah. um, you know, well, like that, that, that was a very loyal thing that we, you know, they were very good to us early on. I'll turn my back on them if they're not in business anymore. That, sure. that, oh, of course. Yeah. So my, <laughs> the, the first review I ever published on HowAboutThatCigar.com is a brand that is not in business anymore. Mine too. So <laughs> mine too, by the way. <laughs> mine, but, but, I, but the guy's still in the cigar business, but yeah, it's no longer in business. Yeah, same, same with mine. But I'll yeah. say that I make a concerted effort to because we don't I don't do a lot of reviews. I focus more on the show and interviewing people and letting them tell their stories and you know, show people about their brands and trade show coverage and that kind of thing. But um I actually do knowingly put a lot of effort into boutique companies and i think there's there's like boutique companies and there's i don't even small new ultra boutique companies and like crown heads i still consider to be a boutique cigar company um but they th their production numbers are pretty large and they you know their cigars are made at large factories that also make you know big brands yeah. uh, but i still consider crown heads to be a boutique cigar company um but then there's i mean there, we're talking small time cigar companies yeah and so i look at it this way if um if so, so they can't afford to advertise they can't afford to buy a a a full page in cigar aficionado right a lot of them can't even afford to buy a quarter page in cigar aficionado um but they can afford to spend a couple hours with me on a monday night or with coop on a thursday night right and they even though i know if they if they were to go to the bank and borrow the tens of thousands of dollars that they need to buy a full page ad in cigar aficionado that that would maybe within a month you know that would lead let's say uh ten thousand no no that's but let it'll lead five thousand new cigar smokers to walk into a shop and buy one of their cigars to try it or ask about it because again, if they're a super small brand, they're not going to be in a lot of shops anyway. So, but then if they, if, but they're spending the, the amount of money they're spending per individual unit sale is drastic, but if they come on a show like ours, it doesn't cost them anything. And it, except maybe, you know, send us two or three cigars to smoke while they're on the show. So we, you know, to feature it and have them on the show. It doesn't cost them anything. And even though my numbers, you know, let's being conservative, let's say after everybody watches on Facebook and YouTube and listens on the audio podcast, let's say a hundred cigar smokers in the United States walk into a shop and ask for this brand who had never heard of this brand before that's um that's you've done something yeah 
that's doing something for a company that otherwise really could not afford to advertise in a large media forum. And I, I, that's one of the things that I enjoy doing. And um, I, I make no bones about that or apologies for it. That's just one of the things that I enjoy doing is giving a platform so that small brands can uh, and big brands too. I mean, we've, we've been fortunate to have big brand people on the show too, but, but if, if I ever get an opportunity to get a small brand person on the show, then I want to do it because I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There've been one or two that, you know, I've said, no, I maybe, you know, maybe in a few months or maybe in a couple of years, um, just cause maybe it was a vibe thing or whatever, but, um, I want to give that platform for them to tell their stories. Obviously we're not going to move the needle, you know, even in the same universe as cigar aficionado or, or half wheel or, you know, some other um, companies, but when it's a super small new cigar company, they don't necessarily need the needle to move as much. You know, because if the needle moves one micrometer, you know, one, one micro, you know, whatever it's, that's, that's a plus for them yeah. where if, if a hundred new cigar smokers learn about the new cigar coming out from STG, um, from interviewing somebody on how about that cigar, that STG is not even going to feel that. They're not even going to notice it. And maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot for saying that, but it's true. Um, it, it's a rounding error. It's a rounding error. It's a rounding precisely. error. Yeah. And, you know, there's some companies, for example, that have come to me. And I don't have I don't think any of us I'm not trying to put words in anyone, but or, or assume anything. Here, but I don't think anyone has a lot of high priced advertising on this show. Right. There are some companies that have come to me and I, I've really been hesitant to take them on as a sponsor because I don't think I could give them the ROI just yet. You know what I mean? So they, they're buying an ad and I just and what I found is the smaller companies tend to they tend to the ad campaigns go a lot shorter. I mean, there's some we've had for a long time, but but for at least my experience, a lot of we've gotten six months now. Now, at a minimum, I ask for a year because I think it takes a year to kind of build a campaign up for them. Um, and then a lot of times we get like at least with us, then they want me to do influencing. Right which is a problem when I have 20 sponsors, right? So um, how do I balance? I can't, right? It's just, and I'm not, that's not what my, some of the people on this panel have better influencer skills than me. Ben, you actually have pretty good influencer skills, but it's not really what we do either. No, and, and I hate it. I don't, I hate, we hate it. I don't want to deal with that at all. I don't want to do it. So I, I remember, you know, we had, a, and I know we had, remember we had that conversation in, in, in the house in Miami on this, right? And, and I think, you know, you, you know my feelings on it too. It's just, yeah. Um. It actually has cost me a sponsor this year because I didn't want to do that. Right. It just wouldn't. It's not what I I'm, I don't like doing it. I'm not comfortable doing it. And oh, by the way, that's not what I do. Right. So, you know, it didn't make sense to continue with that. And it wasn't anything bad with that sponsor or anything like that. Um. But they wanted, you know, but so, yeah, it's not really doesn't make a lot of sense for me with that. 
going going back to the premise of the question, um, absolutely, there's no question in my mind that uh, cigar media in general, the amount of coverage that's given to boutique companies related to the amount of product they produce, there's no question that boutique companies as a segment get significantly more coverage from all media across the board than larger brands. And, you know, I think there's a, there's a few things going on. I think people have already spoken to it, but there's some good comments in the video that I think also highlight it very clearly, which is number one, there's, there's a little aspect of an underdog. You know, I think there's absolutely, uh, you know, a lot of us are are kind of looking at, you know, it's the little guy, you you know, you're trying to, trying to give the little guy a little bit of love and give him a, a hand up um, but I think there's something there as well where uh, I know there's been conversation in the industry about, you know, do you want a face of the company? Do you want a spokesperson, um, a personality? Uh, and I think there's an aspect to that because I think both from a media perspective and from many cigar smokers, especially current generation of cigar smokers, it's a lot easier for them to relate to a brand when they can relate to a personality. And so when you look at the John Hubers and the Steve Sakas and the Nick Molilos, People relate a lot uh, more on a personal level to their product when they can relate to that person yeah. from seeing a video interview or or a, a picture of them. And you know, I think that is a, a huge aspect of modern media, especially Instagram and TikTok, YouTube. Um, people don't necessarily relate to Rocky Patel, and and that's not a slam on Rocky Patel, but they're a very large company versus Nick Molilo, which is you know a very small company in comparison. But that engagement they get with Nick Molillo might be on a different personal level yeah. than it will be with Rocky Mattel. So I think, you know, that is both from a consumer perspective, but also from the media perspective. There is something special about sitting down with Steve Saka and having a conversation. That's uh, access that we don't necessarily get yeah. with much, much larger companies. I mean, I've had the occasion to sit down with um, George Padron, but not not certainly not to the same degree that I've been able to sit down with Steve Saka. So, you know, there is a little bit of a little bit of a influence there for sure. No, it's definitely uh the case with that. Um yeah, I remember, you know, it's funny though we have some sometimes we get this small guest and we get some like big numbers. Aaron, the one that comes to mind that we had on and I think because he mobilized a lot of people to tune in that night. Remember we had Adrian Acosta on from Cigar Culture? Yep. We had a fill in we needed a fill in guest and Adrian was like and Aaron suggested, I said, let's bring him in. And Adrian went and got people to tune in that night, which I think was key. So he he didn't just like us. He kind of worked with us on that. And it was actually, I was shocked at the numbers we had that night. It was like we had, you know, good numbers. So it was like, a, it was definitely a two-way street with that. Sometimes I even think with the smaller media guys, they don't do that, right? They don't try to mobilize their, their troops enough. Some will, some will do it very well, but others don't. They just think that the platform is going to give them that yeah, it has to be a two-way street is what i'm saying with yeah that. that's a great point uh, we always tell people this you know because sometimes people will say how many viewers do you usually get or how many listeners do you yeah. usually get and it's like well that's that's you know sorry to say but a lot of that depends on you yeah you know because if i can share it out so much on my social media channels but um uh chances are you have more followers than i do so get out there and get the word out if you if you want your if if you want people to hear your story and and you know have a fun conversation and get more engaged with your 
your followers and people and your consumers that that buy your cigars um you know and make a fun time out of it yeah you you've got to you've got to put in the work and it's just like going setting up an event at a at a shop somewhere you got to put in the work and share it out on social media and you know get your get your people excited about it yep well plus you never know you never know where that boutique cigar company is going to go right i mean when i started doing this this guy was a small boutique company yeah you know (laughs) so you just never know what's going to happen to that company later on and you, you know and i think everybody feels like you know you know a lot of the media is like oh you know you know i'm helping out this this boutique company so if they grow you know i can i'm kind of feel like i'm a part of that kind of a thing you know absolutely yeah i that's a great point that that people do when they latch on to a brand they do feel sort of a and i think the brands that do it best sort of sort of uh um foster that loyalty in their consumers yeah where they feel where the the brand owner feels like they're a part of almost like they're a part of their consumer's life and that that consumer feels like you know the almost like a a a camaraderie and friendship with that brand owner yeah yeah and some people aren't good at fostering that i agree that's very true yeah that's really true on that i do want to go back to something you said Coop, about the influencer stuff Uh uh-huh i i i detest that i i absolutely well you you know you, yeah, I do. I post a, a a lot on social media, but absolutely none of that is bought and paid for by anybody. Very has never clear. been, will nope. never will be. Yeah, it is straight one hundred unfiltered, no bullshit. Yeah. If I'm posting about it, it's because I genuinely love it, and I'm telling everybody about it. Because yeah. I, I, to me, I think when you get into that realm, when you're starting to do influencing, yeah, then that just calls in your reviews is like tainted yeah a little bit right yeah. i don't want to have that taint at all whatsoever no i agree i agree i mean i've gotten to a point where it's you know if you got to post where you're in a cigar store obviously you're gonna get people want to get in the store i can't post a cigar anymore because then i get the question well, how come you're not posting my cigar it's gotten to that point um uh, and, and everyone, I think, has had that problem at one point or another, I'm sure, you know, because, you know, the petty jealousy runs very rapid in this industry, particularly with smaller companies. The petty jeal- is where I see the petty jealousy. Well, I on the I, Justin, who does our social media and our pro- show production, he. um, For the most part, I stopped posting just on on the Instagram for how about that cigar the actual instagram account for how about that cigar i stopped posting just random pictures of what i'm smoking today because i wrote i had almost i've almost stopped it i haven't totally stopped but yeah it within there was a period about a year ago year and a half ago where i i think within a month i got three or four text messages from people saying, how come I haven't seen you post one? Just like you said, I haven't, how come I haven't seen you post one of my picture of one of my cigars recently? And then if you're, and then if they're a paid sponsor, it becomes a bigger problem. Yeah. So I just, yeah, yeah. I I was, I stopped. I just had to stop. Yeah. It's just posting promotions about upcoming shows and trade shows and maybe giveaways. And that's, that's about it really. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree with that. So it, it is. It is a very. It's not that I'm trying to ignore anyone or anyway, but it's uh, it's unfor- It's just the nature uh, nature of the business, unfortunately. I mean, we have enough trouble having to like com- when people complain about their scores on that. All right. Anything else on that topic? We can get to some of the other topics right now. We're actually moving along time wise pretty good. So we are. Yes, we <laughs> we have to, we, well we have three of the five questions done, and we have some of the other segments we're getting into. So we're going to get into some of the other segments, and we'll hit the last two questions. Let's do it. All right. So this is uh this is our final cattle baron meat question. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to thank Cattle Baron, by the way, as a sponsor. First of all, this is uh, they they uh, they've been with us for six years. They they opted not to continue, but uh, we've had a great relationship with them, and uh, they you know so I want to thank them. So this is the final Cattle Baron meat question of the night, uh, and I picked barbecue tonight as it. Mm. All right. So the question, and I Ben, I know the answer to one of these questions with you already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. I want to start your, with me. I yeah because Good I want yeah. I want to know your favorite type of barbecue, which is going to be a huge surprise to everybody. And I want to know your <laughs> least favorite type of barbecue. Easy. Favorite Texas style. Yeah. I, it's the greatest in the world. I, I mean, I, what else is there? But least favorite? Also easy. Eastern Carolina. With the, I, don't, I don't care for the vinegar sauces. They never have. Not my thing. Close second is Florida. What's, what's Florida? Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. They, <laughs> the the barbecue down there is so mediocre. It's it's insane. And when you talk to barbecue people in Florida, they think they have the best stuff in the world, and it's not even. It's nowhere close. It's not even in top ten. But I've just never, I've never, and really enjoyed the vinegar based stuff at all. To me, um. I, but to me, the 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 pinnacle of all barbecue is Texas style, bar none. Nothing comes close to that. That was a Short big surprise, simple. I think, to our audience here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go to John. So, I just want to um, maybe wrap the topic in uh, the sort of boundaries of what you know barbecue styles are because I'm Canadian. So I'm already off sides and you know, I'm going to get grief about it. But my understanding, my current understanding is that there are four major types of barbecue sort of classifications of barbecue in the United States. There's Kansas city barbecue, Memphis style barbecue, Carolina style barbecue, and Texas style barbecue. Is that, is that a fair assessment? There's three types of barbecue scene. There's there's three types. Then you break it into three types of Carolina barbecue, right? (laughs) East and South. Yeah, right. you basically those four are the base models. Yes, and, and then there's okay. one other which is really a, a a atrocity of the barbecue. And I'll just say it now: it's white barbecue in Alabama. I'm sorry, that's that's just terrible. Oh. That's that's <laughs> shouldn't even be considered barbecue. Oh. I'm a, I'm a, you like it? Hell, are you talking? Who are you talking to? You, you don't like it, right? Fuck no. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I just wanted to make sure. I know they border Mississippi, so I want to be careful with that one. <laughs> no. All right. So yeah, John, I would say you have it pretty close with the, uh, okay. with the excited said Carolina can be subdivided into three. Uh, vinegar is the east. Uh, vinegar with tomatoes the west, and then mustard based is south. Whoa. No? Vinegar with no. Vinegar they have so. Barbecue here is more. They call it a red sauce, and it's yeah, it's not, really, it's, it's not really vinegar. It's okay, not it's not really vinegar. vinegar. Okay, it's no. a red. It's a thinner red sauce, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Definitely. Yeah. 
but it's All actually right, well, it's it's savory, not sweet. So it's more stylized Texas red sauce. Though. Okay, right. So I'm definitely uh, well. First of all, I I have not unfortunately been to Kansas City, Memphis, or Carolina, which is you know an egregious foul given given how much I've visited the United States and different areas of the United States. I've visited Texas the most of any state because largely of uh, my industry is right. oil and gas. So naturally I'm down in Houston and Austin much more than I am in any other place other than Vegas. Uh, so I, unfortunately I haven't really had other barbecues, but I've had a lot of Texas barbecue. And so I can say, you know, I've had a, a, a wide variety of Texas barbecue from San Antonio, from Houston, and especially from Austin. And my experience so far has been that Austin and San Antonio barbecue is absolutely lights out. Now, that being said, uh, I'm a huge fan of savory style barbecue sauce, but I prefer dry, dry rub style barbecue. But the idea of a vinegar based barbecue certainly piques my interest. And I would, I would definitely like the opportunity to try genuine, or as they say, genuine, uh, Carolina's Carolina style vinegar based barbecue, I think would be would be an interesting comparison. But uh, I've definitely had some lights out Austin Austin San Antonio barbecue. So uh, currently my favorite, and it's you know nothing's nothing's even remotely been close. That's my boy. There you go. <laughs> and you have you, you don't have a least favorite. Um, yeah, well, again, I haven't really had those styles, but, um, from the descriptor I've read of the Kansas city style, which is kind of a brown sugar base for their, for, for the barbecue that does not appeal to me in the slightest, um, because I feel that, uh, and I, I do come from Alberta, which is beef country. So, you know, we do have, we do have a long lineage of, of, of beef. Um, I think the meat needs to stand on its own, and I don't like the idea of um, yeah. sugaring or altering the meat with a heavy sauce because I feel like, uh, much like we were talking about with pairings with cigars, that doesn't allow the meat to shine through. I think the meat needs to be the primary delivery, and if you're adding a bunch of um, flavorings, that's great, but it can't take away from the meat. And I feel like the the risk, or at least in my head, if you were to add a sugary sauce to it, that absolutely adulterates the meat. And I just don't think that would be for me. It depends. It, it depends what it's on, right? So pork, so like pulled pork, stuff like that, usually, so Memphis style, their rubs usually have a, a sugar component to it, right? Where you go to Texas, your base is salt and pepper, maybe garlic. Yep. That's about it. Right. So when you have a like a Memphis style is like a brown sugar based barbecue, usually it enhances pork, right? But not so much beef. So when you go right. to Texas, beef is king, obviously. Obviously. To where dry rub is the main thing, right? You you it's if you go to a like a legit like a really good barbecue place in Texas, it's not gonna come with barbecue sauce on it. You can get right. it on the side but it won't be on, on the meat itself. Yeah. Like I said, I, I've, I've been to some, some lights out Austin places, certainly some good places in, in Houston, 
Uh, I would say Austin for me has been number one clear winner, no question. San Antonio is probably a, a, a second runner up, and then Houston's kind of a distant third. Dallas doesn't even doesn't even rank for me. I, I think Dallas is much better than Houston. I agree. Interesting. I yeah, I'd, I'd, agree, I'd agree. I agree on that one. One hundred percent. Kansas City is more. It's it's kind of a hybrid of Texas and Memphis style, really. They have like a their barbecue sauce is like a almost like a ketchup base kind of a thing. It's no, it's good. It's it's uh, good. It's not based on ketchup, but it has a, it's the same tomato base, not necessarily ketchup base, but tomato yeah. base, tomato based. Yeah, it's yeah good, but, it's got a, but it's got that sweetness like ketchup. That's kind of where I would go with. Yeah, it. that's 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 where you lose me is when when you're adding that um, that additional flavor. E- even though we're talking about pork, like you know, I think about pork. The best pork I've had is uh, is Cuban style pork, right? All you you're literally taking a pig and you're roasting an entire pig, and you're not putting anything on that. It's just an entire pig yeah. roasted, and then you salt it afterwards. That's it. Yeah. And it's delicious. S&P is the way for me. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Skip Martin's in the room. He's going to be in Celebrity Deathmatch tonight. Well, somebody yeah, said barbecue. He so. said barbecue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He came right in. He came right in, yeah. <laughs> AI alerted him as soon as somebody said barbecue. <laughs> He's also in Celebrity Deathmatch. They won in Celebrity Deathmatches tonight, so... <laughs> Uh, it, all right, so let's go to Matt. Matt, what about you? Well, I, all right, I'm just going to say it. I, it, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but I just don't care. It depends on the meat. <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that, by the way. So if it's beef, Texas style is, there. there is no other there is no, yep. style to cook barbecue in. Right. It's beef. And, and the, the dino plate ribs is the best cut on the cow period beef ribs it's, are unbe- it's yeah. better than it's better than brisket it's better than tri-tip it's better than ribeye it's better than porterhouse it's better than new york strip it's better than filet mignon the beef the low and slow texas style smoked beef ribs that's that's what's going to be served on the banquet tables in heaven period <laughs> um but uh pulled pork i I, i'm gonna go with now i i i'll be honest i'm not sure which style of carolina this is because it is the vinegar based sauce but this sauce that i'm used to also has butter added to it it's like sweet and tangy with the it's got some sugar in it and the the vinegar but it's usually apple cider vinegar and then a little and there's butter in the sauce as well but it's still a thin sauce and that that on pulled pork uh and the the way they make it out there i think is fantastic i love it and when it comes to ribs pork ribs uh i think memphis is my favorite kansas city i i don't hate kansas city ribs but the i agree that the it's not just the sauce but it's the um, they they put so much sauce on their ribs and i'd rather control that myself i'd rather get served the rack of ribs and you know maybe glaze it up a little bit you know for the last 20 minutes of cooking but don't don't put so much sauce on there that it's literally like pouring off the rib when i'm trying to eat it uh and can most places in kansas city just over sauce the shit out of their ribs what what about um chicken and sausages oh oh lord 
Uh, they serve those at barbecue places. I go, things. I go South Carolina with the chicken. It's really good. That I didn't that, even know they serve that at barbecue places. Yeah, they do. Of, yeah, of course. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Sorry. like uh, <laughs> they have beef on the menu. There's nothing else that exists. So yeah, <laughs> but that gold, that mustard sauce on the on the on the on the chicken is really good. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and that hot links. I mean, if there's a place that makes, I, I've had really good hot links in a lot of places honestly I, and sh- of course i i am i apologize i didn't do not remember the name of the place somewhere in atlanta northeast atlanta there was a place where i had the best hot links of my life uh probably six seven years ago and i'm sorry i don't remember the name of the place it was fantastic jalapenos and um chunks of onion in the sausage it was just so so good yeah the sausage to me the king of sausage is still texas on Texas. That. i mean texas. i've had it all over because that's one of my favorite things to get as like the second or third beat yeah <clears throat> the sausage texas it's it's the best man especially the jalapeno sausages Oof. Oof. it's so good yeah. jalapeno beef sausage yeah. nothing finer yeah. how about you aaron uh i like good barbecue um, and that can be from wh- wherever it's made. <laughs> if you make it good, I'll like it. Uh, but no, I, I do like, I like, uh, dry rub, uh, better. And that could be, um, on beef or it could be ribs. I just prefer that, that style. A uh, nice bit of bark, uh, is really good. Um, I really don't eat sauced barbecue all that often. Um, but I'm, I'm open to trying it if somebody can make it well um i will i will give it a shot um so yeah and uh my least favorite barbecue is um i don't know the the most recent one was the place we went to in vegas so yes um, yes terrible that was a fail. <laughs> yeah well, we went we were in vegas it was i don't know if they have nevada style but barbecue. i mean yeah, i don't know not it, really you this is all right we're, we're talking about cigar media kind of that i'm gonna get on uh, just regular joe reviews here like People on Reopen Google reviews, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, man. <laughs> these, these, these people have no idea. Like, you cannot use them as a as a barometer if a place is good or not. It's people do not have taste, man. It's just rampant to our society. Yeah. It's it's just hard to like if you're in a new spot and you don't know anybody uh, trying to find something out. It's it's tough to find a, a good a good spot. But yeah. um, I I will drop a hot take that. Um, Pulled pork is pretty much flavorless, and it's really only a carrier for sauce. Um, oh, so oh. the wrong pulled pork. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I don't know, man. I've tried it in lots of places. It's just, I think it's just a, it's just a sponge for sauce. You got to put it on a bun and put coleslaw with it to Aaron, liven I, it actually, up or something. Uh, I guess. Yeah, in a lot of cases, I agree with you. Unless it's the pork's got to be, but there is very flavorful pork you can get that's smoked. It's called pork. carnitas. Yep. Uh, well, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that... You're so Californian right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I love <laughs> pork onions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, dude, that's when deep, I do when I do a deep fried pork... and lard, that's that's not barbecue. It's deep fried and <laughs> yep. lard. That's yep. yeah. How's hey. that not going to be good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what I take but ben, I take if you a pork cook it up butt? for me. I'll take it. I'll try hey, it. Look, yeah. we're going to be in New Orleans soon, so all right. See what I can do. Yeah. But I take a pork butt when I smoke it. It takes like 15 hours. Yeah, and I I inject it with a mixture of apple juice, a pineapple juice, mm-hmm. inject it inside there, keep it all nice and juicy, 
put it in there, just let it slow smoke on 225 for like 15 hours. Yeah. Get a nice dark bark on that sucker. With yeah. I have I have my own little rubs I do. Right. It's yeah. you don't need no damn sauce, trust yeah. me. Well, if you can do it without sauce and it tastes good, I'm all for that. Of course. Well, it's a I think you got I got you know, they got they most places have to mask it with their sauce, so and yeah. as talking about hot links and that we're going to be in new orleans talk about some some andouille sausage oh andouille yeah, yeah. Listen, i mean you can't get you can't get it up here in minnesota unless you have it shipped up here yeah, and it's when it's done right it is one of the yeah. best things you can eat yeah ben, i literally I'm have a hundred pounds of it right here in here in this oh. <laughs> ben, ben, you're, you're already literally on. literally about it's it's at least a hundred pounds in yeah. There, right? oh yeah we serve you're it on, on the food truck though <laughs> You're on Gumbo <laughs> Patrol, by the way, uh, next year. Um, we, uh, That's no problem. I figured that, yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, there's one thing that I have to, it has to be sauce when I eat it. Burnt ends. And it's the finest thing yeah. barbecue-wise to me is bur- damn burnt ends. Yeah. But they're, they're you toss them in the sauce and put them back and bake the sauce on there yeah. for a while, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the pork belly burn ends are pretty great yeah. too. I mean, I know technically they're not burn ends, but that's what people call them. But I, I love yeah. making those. They're they're fun to make and yeah. they're delicious when they're done. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just so I was asked, the meat segment is continuing, by the way. So we will have a nice. new, we have a new sponsor coming in for that. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I'll unveil that next next show. Uh, my answers were Texas for my favorite with uh on like the the offshoot is the Memphis uh dry rub ribs. And the South Carolina-style chicken. And then Alabama is just... I haven't even tried it because it's mayo, like mayo bit. It's just... That's... that's oh. And let me clarify, that's a North Alabama thing. Yeah, <laughs> that you're right. Yeah. That's just like, no. <laughs> that shouldn't even be doing that. That sounds it's, like a crime against barbecue humanity yeah, is what yeah, that sounds like. It's a North Alabama thing. It's talking yeah. about Bob Gibson's yeah. barbecue, and it's only served on chicken only, and it's still disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get to our ties that buying question here. Sponsored by Tobacco Era USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Era USA, great things are happening here. So these are where I named three things. You got to tell me what all three of these things have in common. It's based on the Bruce Springsteen song, The Ties That Bind. Um, So they all have something in common. So I'm going to give you three celebrity personalities tonight. Um, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. The answer is I'm looking for is their reality shows is not the answer here. Okay. So here is, here are the three celebrities and you got to tell me this is a tough one. I threw it. I threw a curveball with this one tonight. The three celebrities are Kim Kardashian, Ric Flair and president Donald Trump. What do they have in common? What do they all have in common? What is a tie that binds them all together? What is something? See, Rick Rick Flair, I feel like is the uh, is the odd man out there because I don't know that there's a lot of crossover that I can think of between Rick Flair and Kim Kardashian and Rick Flair I and Donald throw, Trump. I could throw a hint. The, They're all wild. I, the only I, thing I can think of is that they've all fired somebody on on national television. Not Ooh. the answer, but a creative answer, a good one. Good one. Not, yeah, it's. I'm looking at something personal about them. Well, they're all born in different areas. Uh, Trump was born in, I don't even know where Trump was born. He was born in New York. Born in New York. Yeah. Rick was born somewhere on the East Coast, and I can't remember where. I don't think he's a Charlotte native, but, you know, he's from Charlotte. He lives in Charlotte. I don't know where Kim was born. 
So it can't be that. Personal Radically life. different television. Radically Person different um, media brands. Personal. 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 Uh, I don't know. I literally know nothing about Kim Kardashian. They've all which been is probably divorced. good for me. You're was you're it? very you're very close, Matt. You are right in the money here. Oh, what was it? What did you I say, Matt? Just, I said they've all been divorced. You're very close. You're just right there. Um, they all had spouses that died. No, <laughs> the divorce was the key word. Interesting. So they've all been right, married more right. than once. You're all married three times. At least. Okay. Oh, oh interesting. I yeah. see. I, I couldn't figure out the Kanye tie-in with Flair. Otherwise, that that would. That's be right. I said. I said it's personal. <laughs> I I actually I actually was going to throw Elizabeth Taylor and I threw Kim Kardashian at the last minute because Elizabeth Taylor might have made it a little easier if I said Elizabeth Taylor, right? Because she's married mm -hmm. like eight times. Yeah, they all been That's married it. at least three or times. Like eighteen times. Yeah. I'll I'll take clubs I don't want to be a member of for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> I think I think the answer is Kim Kardashian and Trump three times each, and uh, um, four times for Flair. And by the way, the uh, I would have accepted some of our hair as an honorable mention. By the way, yeah, nice. <laughs> Kardashian's got much different colored hair than those two guys. Yeah. All right. So Rick, we're gonna... Rick Flair, uh, greatest wrestler of all time, Coop. What do you think? Greatest wrestler, entertainer of all time? Absolutely. No. I mean, no, oh, not oh, even close, man. Oh, oh now you don't know, <laughs> trust this not guy. Even close. I, I, no, who is? Who is better than Hulk Rick Hogan? No. Yeah, yeah Hulk Hogan. So. Went, oh, no, Flair. I think uh, Hulk Hogan actually okay, said at one point that Rick Flair was the greatest Coop wrestler. Got of all time. East Coast bias, right? Rick Flair is, was in a well, was in small, was in small market wrestling shows was, right he was he made then, it to the wwf at some point but he was in the small markets right what he, i agree but he, as far as i gave hulk hogan had a bigger reach i'm not gonna argue that right but in terms of entertaining you there's no one who did it like i mean i found i don't know i i, I found i put randy savage above flair Wow. So, uh, wow. I think they're pretty even, actually. Yeah. Flair, I mean, Randy was pretty big. Randy was pretty big. Like, if you're talking about like kings of promos, like those guys, you know, Flair's really good. Savage is really good. So, the, the one thing that Flair didn't do is he didn't do motion pictures. That's uh, the one thing that hurt him. I think if he never had like a motion picture angle to his, I think if he had come along earlier, I mean, you know, if he was bigger yeah, he earlier. was he was he was very early on in the wrestling but, game but that, that's, that, yeah. there's actually clips of a talk show he did uh because when he left the ww yeah he went to the w he left the wwf to go back to uh it was wcw and he was not allowed to wrestle he had a non-compete for six months so they gave him a of talk course. show called the flair flair for the gold and it was like this johnny carson type <laughs> talk show it was hysterical it was. If you, oh, if it you, sounds like a train wreck. So it, you have to watch YouTube Flair for the Gold, and you then come back and tell me if this guy's not the best thing. 
with that. He's literally, uh, literally, he has a Arn Anderson plays Arn Anderson, who's one of the four horsemen, plays like the Ed McMahon role. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's got Fifi the maid, like, sorry. Yeah. And then they have like old girlfriends like storming the set, throwing shoes at him and stuff. It's just, it's hysterical. And they did this for six months because they, he couldn't wrestle. And then he was allowed to wrestle. Uh, then he finally was allowed to wrestle. So, right. They did it. So, if, you, if you're, if you're really into wrestling, and I would say like into wrestling, like when we, when we were younger, because we're all some in a similar age group. Uh, if you watch WCW and all that stuff, uh, Tony Schiavone has a um, podcast called What Happened When? Um, and uh, I, I would check it out. There's it's lots really of good. I've seen on, it. There's lots yeah. of clips on YouTube and stuff like that. So if you like talking about that era and stuff like that, it's it's pretty cool. So yeah. if, you, if, yeah. you're in, if you're interested back then, I, I would check it out. Yeah, I, I, it's a great – I've seen it. It's great. Uh, Eric Bischoff has one now too called 83 Weeks, which is pretty yeah. good too, and it gives a lot of insight into like – the whole battle they had with the WWF. Uh, oh yeah, but that was that was our ties up buying segment. So uh, I'm gonna do a couple of sponsories. We'll get into our our next segments, which are shorter. Um, so let me first uh, mention uh, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, Cuba was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate. It fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamster Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to the market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Julio and his son Husto bring their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. And each represent the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. The available local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that's tasted in every draw. And we want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Rocky Patel, and Aganorsa Leaf. They have the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Ficcionato wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place an order online at Corona Cigar or visit one of Corona's five uh, five central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're going to get into our uh, Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. 500 cigars are set afire in this country every minute. A staggering statistic. Wait, that's a good thing. All those folks relaxing with a fine cigar. The trouble is a lot of those cigars aren't worth remembering. They're just plain forgettable. That's why you should pick up an Alec Bradley cigar. You'll taste that baby and say, mm-hmm, I'll remember you, Alec Bradley. Learn more at alecbradley.com. So this is the second installment of uh, Cigar Celebrity Deathmatch. You guys all know uh, we did this on the last meet on an, an earlier media panel. Uh, you guys know what celebrity death match is, right? I I actually need uh, need a little uh, okay instruction here. It was an MTV show where they would bring on these like claymation figures of celebrities, and they would fight to the death in the ring. So a good example of one was like Rosie O'Donnell battling Oprah, and they just beat the pulp out of each other. 
And like it was hysterical. You, you just see like blood popping out of their eyes and stuff like that. Or they had Sylvester Stallone battling Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, just just who would like win a like a, a an absolute knockdown drag out fight. Right. OK, I, I, I remember that show was on. I actually never watched it, but I knew that that was a thing. And right. and by the way, I'll throw a thousand dollars in right now if we can get Rosie O'Donnell and Oprah Winfrey to actually fight. <laughs> I got a way, grand, I got a grand way, right best, now just to make that happen. The best episode of Celebrity Deathmatch was that Rosie O'Donnell Oprah fight. By the way. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely my favorite one to date. Um, so. I, uh, in my wisdom or wisdom here, I've uh, paired up people in the cigar industry to go into the ring and battle to the death here. And and the, the I'm going to go through 10 matchups. And all you guys do is tell me who you guys think win the matchup here. And if you want to add in anything, why? That's great. So I tried to pick things that were, I don't know, not the same as last time. But uh, maybe there's something, I don't know, to it. I was just kind of brainstorming with these. So the first one I picked was Christian Aroa versus Lito Gomez. You know, they did that Ooh. collaboration years ago. Who wins a Christian Aroa Lito Gomez celebrity death match? Now, how tall is Lito? Because I don't really have a sense from photos and from what I recall, medium person, how tall Lito was. He's not short, but I don't not know. What short. Yeah, he's not sure. I think he's taller than Christian. So I think he's as a height. Really? Guy. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. If that's true. I don't know. If yeah. I think they might be neck and neck height wise. From a weight perspective, that's a whole different story. Yeah. I mean, Christian, gonna, Christian's tough here. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm going to go with Christian. I'm, I love Lito. He's a, he's, yeah. he's a wonderful man and very kind gentleman. Uh, Christian would tear him to shreds. I think I'm also leaning towards Christian. I just, Christian seems like he has really, really long arms. And in my head, I just feel like, you know, the key to a match like that is going to be your jab. And I just feel like he'd have a really good jab, you know? I think youth just kind of wins out here. You go, you go Christian. Yeah. Uh, I say that, Christian too. Christian's, <clears throat> he's, he's got some build to him, man. Yeah. He works out. Um, I'm 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 gonna be the I'm gonna be the the uh, descending vote here. I'm going Lido. You don't you don't mess with Lido. Let me tell you, don't <laughs> mess with Lido. Okay, and this guy, I've seen the energy he has at Pro Cigar and everything. I, I trust me, uh, Christian would give him a this would be a knockdown drag out fight, but I don't see Lido submitting or quitting in this match at all. So I'm going Lido with that one. All right, but that was overwhelmingly a Christian Aroa uh, takes it here. Okay, the next one. We have two retailers. Dave Garofalo versus Abe DeBabna. <laughs> uh, no offense to Dave, but Abe, Abe DeBabna, if he got his hands on, on uh, Dave, uh, it would just be the bear hug of death. He would just, he would just squeeze, him, squeeze him unconscious. Like it, it, as soon as he got your hands around you. That would be it. There's, there'd be no way to break that man's grip on. He's got huge hands, huge grip. Game over. Yeah, Abe. I go Abe too. By the way, I'm Abe as well on this one. Yeah, Abe, Abe all day long. Dave, you're a, you're a wonderful man. This is nothing. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, Abe, yeah, it, like like John said, yeah. his hands are like catcher's mitts. 
you know so uh yeah that's all that's all he needs is you know just i mean he could he could probably he could probably put put his hand on my throat and his fingers would touch behind no that's joke how big his hands are he might actually have the third or fourth largest uh hand grip size yeah. and that includes some yeah. giants in our industry he like if i think about omar de Frias, i'm not confident omar has a larger grip uh width than than abe does yeah, yeah. you're right aaron are you a descending vote on this one you know what i I'm not sure. I, I mean, it might be a draw here because I, I don't see how long they go before it's like just like yes. they both tap, right? Yeah. It's just I, I don't I don't see a lot of stamina here from either side. <laughs> um, so yes, I just is it a butter know, bean man. situation? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. If they maybe they run to the middle of the ring, they both hit each other, they both fall on their backs, and then it's like 20 minutes of like yeah. you know rolling around, yeah. and that's yeah. that. I don't know. Uh, I see. I see. You know, on Celebrity Deathmatch, Mills Lane was always the referee. Yeah, yeah. I, nice. could see, I could see Abe just taking out Mills Lane if he's not happy <laughs> with this one. Like, <laughs> knocking the ref out of this. One. But I see what you're saying, Aaron. Yeah, the, the the stamina could play into this. You know, they could just knock into each other, knock each other out on that. All right, the next one: Steve Saka versus Hector Alfonso. Ooh, that's interesting. Now, if I'm not mistaken, both Steve and Hector have served the military, right? So yes. right. Yeah. Yes. Hector was in the army. army. All right. And Steve was in the Navy. Navy. Is that right? Navy. Yeah. Yes. Navy. Now, the thing about Hector is Hector was police, right? So you yeah. know that Hector's gonna play dirty from the very start. <laughs> yeah. And uh I, I I mean Steve's a big dude. I mean, like big. But he's a big dude. Neither of them are going to last longer than two and a half minutes. <laughs> but I could see Hector Generous. coming out and just immediately going for like a kill shot to the knee. You know what I mean? Like, like he's not, he's going to ramp that up to a hundred percent immediately because he knows he can't last longer than two and a half minutes, and Steve can't last. So I f I feel like Hector might have might have the edge on this one. See, I was gonna go Hector as well, all kind of in the same premise that he, you know, mainly that his cop side. He's probably seen and done some shit more as a cop that yeah. he's got some advantage from that knowledge. I'm I'm gonna go with Sokka because I think Sokka, although he doesn't have the law enforcement background, I think Sokka, even with his size, I think he's kind of squirrely. And I think he would be able to get in a sneaky throat punch, you know, which would just, you know, unfortunately that I think that would just bring Hector down. And, and I don't think Sokka's afraid to fight dirty. So I think Sokka, no. he'd get squirrely and get, you know, he'd, 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 uh, you know, do a little, uh, leg sweep and avoid the, you know, Hector taking out his knee and he'd go right for the Adam's apple punch. Aaron. Yeah, this is another tough one. I'm not really sure which way this would go because I think they both probably could do some damage to each other. Um... There'd certainly be some lifelong injuries as a result of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, I mean, real ACL MCL situation here. That's before even contact happens. Yeah. So he's kind of got that country 
country strength living out there in like the wilderness of New Hampshire kind of thing, you know, killing killing animals and all that stuff. And I don't I don't know, man. Uh he does have the he he, he could flip on the rage too, you know. <laughs> all all that retail rage just sets him over. Yeah, yeah I don't know, but Hector's an angry guy, man. So I, I I don't know. I I don't know that I could pick between these two guys. Hector, tough one. I went yeah. Hector. I I had a really tough one with this one. I picked Hector. I could just see Steve saying, eh, "I don't want to do the same." <laughs> I'm gonna go fishing. You know, Hector, Hector just you know Hector's gonna be in there till the end. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, and, and you don't want to get you don't want to get either of these guys mad either. So uh, yeah. Oh, all right. So I think the edge to Hector on this one. All right, these two guys kind of work sort of together, I guess. Uh, AJ Fernandez versus Eric Espinoza. Oh, easy. Eric. Yeah, it's Eric all day, every day. Yeah. Twice on Sunday. I, I don't think AJ wants to wants wants to get punched. I just I can't see him as a guy who wants to get punched repeatedly in the face. And I feel like Eric would not get phased at getting punched in the face. Like I could just see him being like, okay. Let's do this. Yeah, make those 601s for me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think I would go the same with Eric. I think so too. Um, I'm Eric on this one. But yeah, I think AJ is going to come in with the entourage out mm-hmm. there. Oh, you AJ is going to have the entourage in his corner. Eric doesn't want to get in his corner because AJ would just like, you know, his corner would just swoop on Eric. So Eric's got to keep out I don't know, of it. man. Eric will roll in with a bunch of celebrities. Like uh, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're Guy Fieri right. in his corner. But yeah. I think so. I'm, I'm so sure I like, think they'll both roll in. comes out with yeah. Eric. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll both roll in with an entourage, but I think Eric's going to, Eric's going to put the time in at the gym. He's going to train. That's and, true. That's true. AJ, AJ is going to, you know, he's going to pull a Conor McGregor. You know, he's going to, he's going to be spending too much time at the clubs with the honeys <laughs> and, you know, drinking his shitty Irish whiskey. And he's going to, you know, he's just going to take his eye off the ball. And, uh, you know, he's going to, he's going to be in the tobacco fields instead of, you know, at the gym training. Yep. All right. Anyone else didn't comment? Yeah, I think we all went on this one. All right, next one. I'm curious on this one. Justin <laughs> Andrews versus Rafael Nodal. Oh. <laughs> does, does Justin gra- I don't think Justin grapples or anything, does he? Does he box or grapple or anything? He's a baseball t- player. Yeah, he was a yeah, baseball, baseball, baseball player. Baseball Raphael's college. a tennis player. Raphael's a tennis player. All right. So he's finesse. Yeah. I don't piano, think piano player. Yeah. No. I don't think there's right. going to be a fight. I don't think there's going to be a fight. I think they're no. going to get together a big They're going to talk it out. They're, they're going to sit down with cups of coffee and light up some cigars and just <laughs> talk it out. Yeah. I don't. I, I, don't... I think Raphael's going to pound Justin like a scallopini. <laughs> <laughs> I think Justin won't know what hit him. And it won't be, it will be, Justin will just not even get a shot in. It will be over. Raphael will, will go to win. Raphael's going to come to win on this one. I'm going to pick a major upset here and, and pick Raphael when he comes in with a tennis racket and just pounds Justin with it. <laughs> Justin will All find right. a way to lose. That's my point. All right. I, so Skip had a, a, a pretty good line in the comments, uh, so I'll, I'll share it here. Uh, he said it, it's going to be a draw, and they will both ask AJ who is the winner. 
Oh boy, you did just oh. you're out, Justin. I'm sorry. You're not just wow. <laughs> That's gold. AJ special, we bring AJ in as special guest referee. <laughs> right. It's funny because it's true. He's Don King. AJ's Don King in that scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. But AJ's name will be on the will be on the mat in the middle of the ring. That's right. <laughs> By AJ Fernandez. Yeah. yeah, Justin will come in with Diesel Wear and Raphael will come in with uh you know Monte Cristo. All right. All right, here we go. Ready? Matt Booth versus Skip Martin. So we have two other veterans in here with this one. Interesting. And, uh, and this, uh, this one's a little former tough, Navy Marines yeah. and Navy. Navy first skip yeah. and this is a real it's a main event match as far as I'm concerned. But, but I, I could, you know, I mean, Matt's a Marine. Yeah, he I is a Marine. Skip coming there, taking off that, that flip flop, beating the shit out of him. I get that. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, this that's one. good. <laughs> that's just yeah. not getting any respect. This is a tough one. I don't yeah. know. But, um, but Tom, we had Tom Mazuka's here. Christian, we had Christian beating uh, Lido, by the way, in, in a match earlier. You might have missed that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know. This is Matt, a draw with me. This one's an absolute draw with me. Matt is still in pretty good shape. He is in pretty good shape. Skip has been getting in better shape in the last few years, so you don't want to mess with Skip, though. Either. I don't know. I mean, I think his... Skip wouldn't quit. I can't see. I can't yeah, see Skip quitting. Yeah, I don't think uh, Skip would. Yeah, I agree. I oh shit, this is a. I don't know about this one. But mar- this... Marines eat crayons, right? So like, I don't even know if they have a concept <laughs> of of pain, right? So like, he wouldn't even know he was hurt until later because he can't even can't even calculate he- pain. That'd be that'd be tough. That'd be a tough matchup. Yeah, and Matt was a heavy machine gunner in the Marine Corps. He ran the two forties. I think Ooh. Matt's not going to have the machinery to do. Well, they both have. They both would have their weapons. I think, right? This well, they be, they both have pretty decent arsenals. Yeah, they both have their arsenals. There. Yeah, that flip flop might be the deciding factor, though. Yeah. I think that flip flop could really turn the table. Yeah, Olaka for the win. <laughs> I remember Skip sharing a story at one point, like he was in Nicaragua. Or I don't remember if he was walking or like on his bike or something like that. And he said a couple of guys came around and like he said he had like a good eight seconds in on like a like a bull rider. Like he had a good eight seconds to to solve whatever situation that was. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, after it was right. past that point, he wasn't sure how 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 well he'd do. But he he was able to handle business for what he needed to handle. Yeah, yeah. So, him telling that story. Yeah, it's probably too close to call. I think. Has anyone called this match? <laughs> that's how tough this one is. I'm hey, calling. Skip side for a big draw. draw. Yeah, Telling I'm, you, I'm calling this one a draw. Yeah, it's a draw for me as well. This was a tough one, as well. All right, we have two other big bohemians coming in here now. <laughs> uh, Jack Tarano versus Mickey Peg. Ooh, that's, that's a some one. that's some that's a he- super heavyweight uh, <laughs> reinforcement competition. Well, we had this is even more reinforcement than me, Abe and Dave here with this one, uh, or, or more than well, it's right up there with soccer and Hector, I think, with this one. Well, we already we already know that Jack can take a punch, and you know it's not going to be a big <laughs> in his deal, shoulder. So. <laughs> in his shoulder. <laughs> oh, this one, I'm oh. telling you, there's no contest. Jack wins this one easy. 
Okay. This is me. Really? I have Jack winning this one easy. Yeah. Why? You don't mess with Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't mess. That guy's not going to quit either. <laughs> oh, man. This is this one's really tough for me. I can't. Yeah. I don't know if I can land on a winner for this one. Wow. Because I, I think I think Mickey's kind of the same way. You know, Mickey's that you, t- Mickey's tough. Thing, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The same thing you said about Jack. I, I don't. I mean, obviously conditioning's a factor, but I don't know if I don't know if uh, either one of them would give up very easy. Uh-oh. No, I think that one would go to the judges, and it would be it would be gruesome. <laughs> There'd be body parts missing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going Jack, man. I I I uh, Jack's tough. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on? I guess we this one's a little more of an indecisive one as well. All right, we got three more. Terrence Riley versus Eric Gatormson. <laughs> it's that was that so, a love fest. So he, here's the thing. I, here's uh, the love fest. Yeah, I can see these guys like you know Terrence coming in the port. Yeah, this is more. Of, that's why I picked these two. <laughs> so if I'm not mistaken. Terrence does jits. Yes. So I don't think there'd be a fight here because I think both of them would just not fight. But I think if it was a forced fight, I think Terrence would win based on the fact that he's, I think he's a blue belt. I think he's got his blue belt and jits. So I think just based on that alone, Terrence would make it, you know, real gentle, just kind of real easy, just kind of put him to sleep. Yeah. You know, no, no punches thrown. Just a, just a nice, just quiet chokehold. Rear naked choke, and it's all over. Yeah. Yep. Go to sleep. Yeah, I'm not sure Eric's cornhole skills will help him in this fight. <laughs> Eric's not going to want to so. fight him. Eric's not going to want to <laughs> fight him. This is this is Terrence. I agree. Eric's just not going. Eric's going to quit. <laughs> but if if they actually fought, I mean, if they actually fought, you you got to look at there's a there's a one foot height advantage. There's probably a six to eight inch reach advantage. For Terrence, right? So, like forty-year age difference. <laughs> yeah, you you got you got to give it to Terrence. If now we're assuming fight. that uh, Terrence is sober in this situation, right? I don't know that that even matters. I don't <laughs> think. Yeah, I don't think it matters. I mean, Terrence would have to be blackout drunk to lose a, a, an actual uh, an actual physical fight against against Eric. It would be the greatest night of Eric's life. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, Eric's like, please, please, we don't want to fight. <laughs> they talk it out. <laughs> All right. This one's a tag team match. We have on one team, Juan Cancel and Kevin Kaiten. On the other team, Robert Caldwell and Tony Bellotto. I'm going protocol with this one. Yeah, yeah pro- protocol was. This is, no, this is they, yeah. they, they murder him. Kevin is the X factor in this one. <laughs> Kevin's the guy, man. I just yeah. can't see he's a well. I mean, can't sell being a police officer. I mean, yeah. there's you got that already, right? In, in, New, in, New, in New York, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's seen. Then, you know, he's seen some shit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Caldwell. Uh, you know, Caldwell. I can see Caldwell and Bellotto. You know, they they could see him. I think they would put up a good throws Bellotto through the air at him and he kind of uses him as a human missile. Yeah, but Kevin <laughs> would just, I think, yeah, Kevin and Juan, I think they, uh, I agree. I think this one would be, I agree with that one. Yeah. Yeah, this one would be over quickly. 
it would it would not last long. Juan Cancel and Kevin Kaiten for the win. Yeah. And the last one, last celebrity death match. Carlito Fuente versus George Padrone. <laughs> the legends, the sons of the legends. I'm I'm gonna have to go with George on this one. Yeah, uh, he's in he's so in too. pretty good shape. Uh, I th- I think he might box as well. Um, I mean Carlito looks tough. Like he like he legitimately looks like I would not want to get into a fight with him because I feel like you know he's 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 not gonna go down easy. But um, I think George has got the edge on this one. I'm going Carlito on this one. I think Carlito just throws the kitchen sink and wins, wants to win this one. No, I think oh, it skips on think, fucking fire skip, tonight. Skips on fire tonight. Oh <laughs> my think, god, that is the I greatest. You got to say that one. That's a great comment. Wow. So the fight would be delayed year after year with nothing but promos constantly. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh shit. Uh, <laughs> we promise we're going to fight next month. We promise yeah. we're going to fight three months. Father's later. Day. We <laughs> promise we're going to fight before Christmas. Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving match. According to what George said on Cigar Authority on Saturday, it's coming out in November. So oh, you got one, you got one month. That's one what George month. said. Yeah, but, but again, a lot could happen. I'm I'm getting close to my bet with Abe, by the way, on if this comes out this year or not. So I'm like, mm-hmm. this is it. If, if if they miss that November date, I'm screwed. I'm gonna lose the bet. If, if you win that bet, I want to see that as a video clip, and that needs to yes. get posted and pinned to the coop page because that I, will be delicious. Yeah, yeah, even though, but I did lose a bet to Abe. Um, I lost a bet to Abe on the NFT. So, uh, so that that's. But this one was more high profile, so I agree. This will, I think we'll definitely do some ceremony with that when it, if it happens. All right, and that was Cigar Celebrity Death Match. Uh, this edition here, so good job, guys. Good matchups. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right, so we'll get into our Espinosa this day in sports history question, sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning brands such as Espinosa, Six O One, and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa and smoke Espinosa every day. So this is a baseball question, guys. Uh, oh. Hopefully, no one googles it. Uh, so, John, I know this one. I, yeah, this one may be a little tougher for you. I get that. Yeah. But uh, but I'm gonna. But I think it may be tough for everyone because of, of the year. Yeah, we were all four years old at the time. Well, uh, let's see. You know. <laughs> so the year is nine. The year is 1980. Okay. And there were two teams that finished this day tied for the NL West title, and they would have to play. And an extra game the next day. Who were those teams? I know one. Dodgers. The Dodgers were one of them. Interesting. So, 1980. Yeah. National League. Are we saying? Oh, shit. NL West. And 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 in the and at that time it was just two divisions, correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Now, are they, oh, were the Braves were the Braves in the West at that time? Yeah, yep, Braves they sure were. This is where my hate for the fucking Dodgers come from. Was <laughs> it the Was it the Phillies? No, the Phillies were the no, East. Phillies were East. Phillies were East for sure. We yeah. won. That's the year we won the World Series. So right, we beat, right, we right. Beat the, yeah. So NL West. I got a good Dodgers. Guess. It's got to be Dodgers. If it's eighty, it's got to be Dodgers. It it's is Dodgers. Dodgers is one. I think this is a this is a wild guess. And I'll tell you where I'm guessing this from. Astros. Correct. It, 
Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, they, wow. That's right. They switch leagues. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So here was what was even I more amazing. all about that. The last series of the year was between the Astros and the Dodgers. The Astros held a three-game lead over the Dodgers. And they got swept? The, they got swept. They had to play the extra game. And the Astros won the tiebreaker game. And then they went to play the Phillies in that great NLCS championship where four of the five games went to extra innings uh, and the Phillies pulled it out. I, wow. I had totally forgotten that Astros used to be a National League. Yeah. What, when did they switch leagues? Nine um, years ago. Yeah, it was when they... Nine when they, years ago? Yeah. The Brewers went from AL to NL. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. Okay. Yeah. It was so, when... Yeah. So this is this is where I got that from. Nope. I started thinking about, you know, 70s and 80s, like movies and shows. Yeah. yeah. The second Bad News Bears show, the, the movie, they filmed the, the the big thing was they played in the old Astrodome. Yeah. And they were, mm. by the way, the, the date in history was they, they tied on this day. So that was the day that the uh, the Dodgers tied them for the like for today. The, oh, this day in history. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. yeah. In eighty, no, it was October fifth, which I know we're on October sixth a couple of times. And, and I was I was five years old there, five years old. Yeah. So. All right. yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> little, little, last little trivia fact is the Phillies and the Astros are the only two teams to play for a league championship and a World Series. Wow. Oh wow! Yep, yep. They're the only two teams to do that because of the Astros move. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. You have a sl- you, you know, yeah. the Brewers the only other team that can really be a part of that yep. kind of a conversation. Yep. So. All right, so let's do uh, one more sponsor break, and we have two shorter uh, things to wrap this up. Uh, so I want to mention uh, J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America for four generations and 127 years. J.C. Newman is handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. After factory known as Elver Hold, J.C. Newman's are premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American, and the Angel Cuesta. The J.C. Newman Pensive Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua. It's where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Baton, Coram, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco or A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. We're going to partners, the Arturo Fuente family. Newman's founded the Scar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders at a Las Clases factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, including the latest release, the Sangre Nueva. And if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa to yours. And we're going to get into our Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust industry deliberation segment, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the uh, Halfway Consensus, including number one cigar of the year. In 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca and in 2022 with the Mi Carita Black. Uh, visit TTC Cigars, the, far- the purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. So we're going to go a couple. This is really continuing deliberations, which we've been doing the whole night. Um, we did this on the last media panel is I pick five companies. OK. And I want you basically to talk about how good a job these companies are doing promoting themselves across various channels 
And what I mean by channels is how well do they promote themselves through the media? How well do they promote themselves to the consumer ranks? And how well do they promote themselves to the retailers? So you can answer these however you want uh, with just keeping those things in mind. So I picked five companies and uh, you can grade them. They, you know, they do great in all of them, great in none of them, you know, great in none of them, great in some of them, you know, bad in all of them, you know, whatever you want to do it. So here's my first one. Osgener Cigar, Osgener Family Cigars. The company now has been founded by Tim Osgener. How well do they do themselves promoting themselves right now? I would say um, like a like a B minus. Um, I think Tim's got a uh, lot of a uh, lot of channels now on uh, doing the Instagram podcast thing, uh, and it, you know he's regularly doing that. Um, yep. It's been a pretty consistent effort. Uh, he's done a few um, media shows as well. Yep. Uh, and I think he's also got some advertising on uh, on media channels. Uh, so you know I think. I think he came out of the gate uh, not necessarily doing a lot of that promotion, but I think he's been pretty ground and pound since that point. I mean, he's been at uh, all the events, all the big uh, cigar events. Um, yeah. He's yeah. I'd say B minus. And, sh- and shops, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, I agree. Tim's Tim's got, uh, I think he's done a really good job. Uh, and. He's he's obviously in in good company with the the team at Crown Heads, um, that you know that can only help. And I think he has, uh, I, if I remember right, he even mentioned this to us that that he has learned a lot from them, the team at Crown Heads, about yep. um, sort of uh, new styles of and new styles and platforms for marketing. Yeah, I think he's done a relatively good job. Um... I think he has focused a little more on the bigger shops and the bigger catalog in particular. I'm not saying that's a negative, but I think that's where I've seen a little more of the focus, at least from the retail end of things, where he's, where he's popping up at events. These are pretty big retailers he's going to, but I kind of get that too. So I like I said, he's got the, uh, what is it? The Ozheads podcast. Um, he, and he, when he's at the, I saw him at the great smoke and he was just like interacting with every person. So I, I think he's done a really good job overall is what I'll say. Aaron, any thoughts on that one? No, I agree with what John said. Yeah. Seemed to be, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always see, you know, just cutting lights or or shop visits um, all over social media and stuff like that. And yeah, doing the podcast and all that stuff is good. Yeah, I think the OzHeads thing is giving a little more. In- We've had him on the show. He's done a few yeah. shows. Um, the OzHeads podcast, I think he's staying out there uh, with it, which is good. Uh and he's, but I think he's really become the face for both Osgener and Crown Heads for the, at least at events. Not, I think Cuba's still that face of Crown Heads, don't get me wrong. But at least at events, I'm seeing him do more of the events, is what I'm saying. All right, next one's Oliva. I'll jump in uh, on Oliva <laughs> just to say, I think Oliva has done a great job for the last. So for the last 20 years plus with marketing, um, mostly in the early days, uh, even going beyond yeah. 20 years, you know, print, print media, uh, done a great job with that. Um, multi-vendor events there. I think they're pretty good at participating in multi-vendor events. Um, today, 
within I'll say the last five, six, seven years, I think every company, every legacy company, and I consider Oliva a legacy company, um, is at risk of missing the mark with the, the current and upcoming generation of cigar smokers. You know, the 25 to 35 year old cigar smokers. Um, yep. And if they, if they would put more attention into uh, newer, more modern forms of social media and th and podcasts and things like that, I I believe they would see a return on that. So, uh, but otherwise, I mean, it's a brand I have in my humidor pretty much all the time. It's a, yep. it's a brand I've always loved. You know, it, o Oliva G Robusto, I probably still to this day smoke a couple of those a week. So, you know, I think they, if they just get a little more into some of the more modern uh, up and coming styles of social media, I think they would really see return on investment with the next generation of cigar smokers. They, I think they do a good job in the retail segment. Um, I agree totally with your comment, Matt. Um, what they don't have is they don't have a face of the brand right now. That's a good point. Yeah. And that, and this, I think they need that. And I, I think if they created something like what Fuente's done with some of their, you know, social media stuff as well. Um, well, some of what Fuente's done, maybe something. not all of it. But they've got, yeah, but I think they've gotten more out there. Let's be like five years ago, Fuente wasn't out there at all. Fuente was very much in the same category. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, but Fuente's got faces that they could do that with. Oliva doesn't have that. Um, Corey's really more of the business face. Uh, he represents the business very well. Fred, who's out in Europe, you know, he's not really out there. Fred Vandemari, he's not really out there. They They don't have that one face, I think to which is i think the one thing that's holding them back right now because if they did i think they could take that next step yeah i would i would certainly um echo a lot of what matt said i think you know i'd give them an a in terms of uh traditional marketing through magazines they've they've got a very strong presence um in all the magazine markets uh very strong presence at all events multi-vendor events um Really, it's their social media presence and non-traditional media. I think where they where they've fallen down, and you know, I think that I feel confident giving them like a D plus on that because I think they just haven't managed to uh, make inroads there. I think I worry they're not courting in the younger smoker either with that. I right, think that's a big part, and they have really good cigars. Like if if people are smoking no question. this brand X, there's no reason why you can't find an Oliva cigar that you're gonna like. I think they just fall in the trap of a lot of the legacy brands is where it's just old school business still. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. They, they very much fall into that old school business model for sure. Yeah. They, they would see, I think they would see a lot of movement if they, you know, either took somebody from their existing team and put them on this, <clears throat> uh, the social media side of things and really started pushing that or brought somebody in to sort of, be the, they, like a digital marketing director type they, type they have this year they have it it seems like but okay it's it needs more work is what i'll say okay. like there is a contact now we have for that uh we when we went to the booth this year ben and i we got that contact we met the her but they i wouldn't say that would be the face but they have at least that contact but yeah they need a lot more work is what i would say 
Aaron, any anything else on that one? No, you guys nailed it. All right. Third one, Tatawahe. Well, what do you want me to say? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll kind of kick it up. I think in the last three or four years, Pete has taken major steps, major steps uh, in the last few years. So I think he was a little more in that, like, he was kind of like on the fence with old school in the middle. Uh, maybe he's still on the fence, but he's definitely picked up his presence a lot more. Yeah, I think his brothers are helping him out with that a lot, too. Yeah. You know, so, <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I think it's gotten a lot better Yeah, over you know, the past several years. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I just think he's been, but I think he's connected with people even more. Like, he was always connecting with people, but I think it used to be more that Saints and Sinners community, right? Yeah, now I think well, he's got a much wider net he's been able to cast with that. Yeah, well, that forum was the most toxic place I've ever seen in my life, though. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> it was god-awful terrible, and I'm glad to see his death. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I would that. say he, Pete's always attacked this at the grassroots kind of, kind of yeah. way. Yeah. You know, he is so interactive with all of his, you know, customers, you know. I mean, he always makes time for everybody. So there's always that good one-on-one that he has with whenever he does anything, you know? Um, I, and I think he's picked it up, you know, on the more like <clears throat> interaction with, with us a lot too, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, and social media gotten a lot better. With, I mean, like he's posting on Facebook all the time and it, it's not just, he posts something that a hundred people comment on it. He posts something and he interacts with people in the comments as well. Yeah. You know? So and, and one start. thing is and one thing is you reach out to Pete, he never ignores you. So you'll get a response. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's I mean, he's he was really the first, maybe not the first, but he he understands how consumers um because he he is and was one of those consumers. You know, he was a cigar nerd in the 90s. Yep. And he understands that cigar nerd mentality and he understands that that loyalty mentality, you know, whether it's loyalty to a band, which he has experience with loyalty yep. to a cigar brand, loyalty to a, a brand of scotch or bourbon or yeah. beer. He understands it and he knows uh, he knows how to be genuine about yeah. about. Uh, asking for that loyalty and and he also maintains that loyalty by by like ben said giving back and part of giving back is just the simplest thing of interacting with your cigar nerd customers on social media you know some people love it or hate it some people eat that stuff up and live or die by it and and to show that, to give that loyalty back to your customers that they have given to you, he gets that. And not all brands have have uh, understood and embraced that, but Pete really has. Yeah, you just don't know the impact that it, it has on, on just average cigar smoker when they're follow Pete and he you make a comment on one of his posts or whatever, and he replies to you. Yep. The impact yeah. that has on a, on a person is like, wow, you know, yeah. this person next took time to answer me and talk to me. Yeah. You know? 
yeah, I think he's done a great job connecting on all those channels and in the retail channel too. He's come from the retail world too. Don't forget. So he understands the retailer, I think pretty well too. Yeah. And not just him, his, you know, the people on the team as well, you know, whether it's Dan or Casey or. Yeah. Um, I, I was just down with Dan Mo. at an event in Dallas. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jay's shop. Yeah. Um, Aaron, anything else on that one? Or we move on. Yeah. You guys are laying it out there. So. All right. We got two more. This one's an interesting one. Christoph cigars. Not a good job, but I think they're getting better at it because they're they're already talking to one of my friends as the rep. They're rec- they've recognized that they need to be more engaging with the customer on like social media and outreach and all that. So they're that ball's rolling now, you know. So we'll see what comes in, in the uh, future with that. Um, I I agree. Um, I think they, first of all. They're great to deal with, okay? Uh, like we, like uh, Aaron. By the way, just breaking news: say Jared's coming on the show in November, so we have Jared nice. booked, right? So, I mean, anytime we've like, we've asked Glenn to come on the show, and, and they've come on, they do events, but something's missing. I, that's the thing. I think so, I think something. I think they have a little bit of the Oliva problem too. I think they need to connect with that younger audience. Is the big thing I think, um. Because there's cigar, like you know, there's certain cigars that I think the younger audience should be smoking in that portfolio. So I, I think some of it is the band. I think some of it's a bandwidth issue with them too. So you know, but I think they they like I said, Ben. I think they they they're taking steps. I think you know, there's things, but they could definitely grow in this area, is what I would say. Yeah, I think it's um. An interesting situation with just the way the company is kind of built. Um, that you know, they're 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 kind of a, a bare bones, I think, yeah. kind of company, sales staff, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, um, you know, hopefully they can, can figure that out and how to balance yeah. the sales side with the other all the other side. Yeah. All right. Anything else before the last one? The last one is Placencia cigars. Interesting. Well, if it's a if it's a letter grade system, I'm I'll give Placencia an A, and the only thing that the only thing that holds it back from an A plus is I think they would be well served to uh, have more engagement on shows like this, you know, to get Nestor out there more in shows like this, or even other members of the team you know, m- other members of the family. Yeah. Um, because it's, uh, I mean, some that they, they've done, I think they've done a fantastic job with um, turning that brand into, I, I mean, it's honestly in the last just f- four or five years, the, 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 the drive that is behind that brand is extraordinary. And they have, they've put a lot of investment into it. And I believe that there, there are so few cigar shops that I go into where I do not see Placencia product on the shelves. Their sales team's done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's only one or two facings. Yeah. 
And so from a sales perspective and a coverage perspective, I think they've done great from, from uh, uh, an old school media perspective, uh, print media and <clears throat> multi-vendor events, things like that. I think they've done a fantastic job. If they would just put a little more into some of the new media stuff, whether it's social, you know, Instagram and, uh, that kind of thing and shows like this, uh, I do believe that they would see uh, impact from that. Well, they made an interesting hire. Uh, what was it last week, week before, where they hired yeah. Jim Young? Yeah. So <clears throat> I have a, I know a good background with him because my shop in Biloxi is owned by a good friend of mine. He's, he was, he's his main the cigar shop's like a secondary business. He's mainly a beer wholesaler. And so he's knew Jim Young from back in the beer days. So Jim used to be the president of Guinness USA. So that was that he left there. He went to Davidoff. And when he was at Guinness, that Guinness is exploded in the U.S. market. It was everywhere. I mean, <clears throat> advertisements were everywhere. All kinds of swag stuff came out with Guinness. Guinness is all over the place. He left and went to Davidoff. And Davidoff was kind of like, you know, kind of like, not, I wouldn't say dead in the water, but just kind of like stagnant, kind of just not really going anywhere, really. He came on and, <clears throat> you know, he just generated a quite a buzz within that da within Davidoff and you saw a lot more people smoking Davidoffs and getting getting more involved with the consumer and the retailers getting a good outreach program with them and broadening the scope of Davidoff as well so I saw that as a huge hire for Placencia it's a I big coup for them to get him so yeah. I think he's going to do the same thing with Placencia you're going to see this huge growth I think with Placencia out there, well, they're already doing a really good job, but just adding Jim Young to there, it's like a huge, huge boom for them coming. They have their offices. I met uh, Javi Carranza, who's their national sales director, and he invited me to their offices. Their offices are in a brewery in Miami, and there's a smoking lounge, and then there's the brewery next door. Um, I think they're on. I I think if they make that a little more experiential and kind of promote it a little more. Um, I think they could really be onto something with that. Like they, that could be a destination, is what I'm saying. That should be a destination. That brewery is awesome that they're in. Um, it, it's a great place. So I think they're sitting on something, and they just to build. If they build an experiential piece, and people go to Miami saying, "You know what? I'm going to go visit Placencia, Placencia and their brewery because it's like this is Placencia we're talking about. Like this is, you know, legendary family. They they cigar makers, cigar tobacco here. So. I think they're sitting on a little bit of a gold mine, but I didn't even notice existed until Javi told me about it. A lot, you know, so and then people tell me in Miami what a great place it is, but you know, no one was talking about it. So uh definitely I think they could do and I think Jim's gonna help out a lot with that too. He did a tremendous job at Davidoff when he was there. Uh yeah, I, I still remember when he did the Yamasa launch with Davidoff, and that was I mean, that was a monster event for Davidoff. You remember that? Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. I remember that too. I remember he did the Nicaragua launch too. He was there for the yep. Nicaragua launch. Yeah. Which, uh, that was a Ben. You probably remember that one. That was a big one. Oh yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. That was great how they did that. Yeah. 
All right. Any other comments on Placencia? And we have our last topic, and this this one should be a little more rapid fire to wrap it up. All right. Last topic is you are each of you are given the opportunity to nominate two people to be on the PCA board. All right. They could be whoever you want. Okay. Who do you want to be on the PCA board? And I'm going to start off with John. Oof. Um, well, uh, not having any time to prep for this, uh, I definitely would, would want someone representing media on the board. I think I've spoken about that in the past. Right. Um, not just to represent media, but I think, you know, you have manufacturer representation, you have retailer representation. I think there is a lot of value to have someone from the media perspective because I think they see things from an angle that retailers and manufacturers sometimes don't. So I don't think he would ever accept it. Uh, but I'd probably say Patrick Legreed would be a great example of someone who I think would be very balanced on the board. Um, bring a lot of uh, fair ideas and good scope. Um, I don't know. Uh, you have to come back to me on on the second one because I'm gonna have to think about that. Okay, we'll come back. Off to you the cuff, one. Patrick. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it'll be easier to put Charlie on with that one. Probably. Yeah. I, Charlie would definitely not take that. Not a million years. Yeah. All right, Ben. And that's a <clears throat> that's tough uh, for the. Well, I I got one. But um, second one would be a little tough because I kind of was thinking the same along the same lines as John too. Like, but I mean, the first one that I would want on there would be this guy, Pete Johnson. I think it would be he. He does so much for him behind the scenes. He should definitely I'd be. On. I'd love to see him go over from the CRA to the PCA board. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. You know. Um, because I think he does so much for both of them that he sh- he definitely should be on the board. Yeah. Um, I think I don't know the second person. I have a few of mine, but I'm trying to think of who would be the probably the best. I think would be. Do you want me to come back as well? Um, <clears throat> I was thinking Fred from Oliva. Honestly, that's a good one. That's a good one. Just because he's coming in with a totally different perspective on a lot of things. He's seen a lot of stuff on the European side, and he's very interested, you know, in <clears throat> how America does stuff. The reason I say that, because when I was at Inner Tobacco in 2015, I just remember I ran to him at the J. Cortez booth. I had no idea. I'd never heard of J. Cortez. I didn't know who he was. And <clears throat> I mean, y'all, y'all have heard this story before, but I, we were, I was there with Drew Estate and Brian Hewitt and I were doing a, the pairings video there with some cigars and, a, and some beer and we didn't have the glasses <clears throat> and right across from their booth was a Jay Cortez. And there was a, the, they had a bar there with a the bartender. And I was like, let me go over there and ask if we could borrow some glasses or whatever. So I walk over there and as I'm going over, the bartender's he's grabbing some stuff and he walks to the back and he just disappears. So I just go stand at the bar and I'm waiting for him to come back and ask him. <clears throat> and this guy in a suit comes up. And I, I don't know who he was. I just thought he was maybe a rep or something. <clears throat> Cause I, they don't have reps over there, but that's what I was thinking. Cause that's what I was used to at the time. And 
He's like, oh, is anything I can help you with? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm just we're over at the Drew Estate booth and we're about to shoot a video of you know pairing cigar and beers, but we forgot to bring glasses. I'm gonna see if I can borrow some glasses. He's oh yeah, no problem. We can go back here and grab you some. Grab some. You know, we went over there, and did that, and I brought them back over. And I say, yeah, I really appreciate it. You know, and he's like, he's like, um, it's hard to talk about what we did and all that. I told him, you know, we were, you know, we're cigar reviewers and we're here with Drew Estate and Roll Agio and all that. And he's like, oh, this is awesome. He said, you ever heard of my company? And I was like, what, what, Jay Cortez? Said, yeah, that's my company. And he handed me his card. It was like the president. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I didn't had no idea that was him. He was such a down to earth, really cool guy to talk to. And we kind of were talking about the differences in laws, smoking laws in Europe and how, how it's handled and how it is in, in the U.S. And he was saying, like, this is really what all is stuck on me and I'll never forget. It was like, you know, we want to what I want to do is I want to create something kind of like, you know, the PCA and the, and the CRA do in America over here in Europe, because we need something. He said, our problem here is every country has its own, you know, laws we're dealing with, and companies are only, they're, they're only fighting it within their own country. Like, we're not looking this at the European Union. We're, we're looking at this at individual countries, so that's the wrong way to do it. We need to all get together, band together, and we all fight for the, the anti-smoking laws in all of the countries together as a big combined force. I thought that's freaking brilliant. That's something that would be awesome. I don't know. It just, it stuck with me, you know, how, how he thought of that. It was like, you know, wasn't just thinking about, well, let me sell as many cigars as I can, you know, and I don't know. It was just a really cool moment, a really cool conversation I had with him. And it's always like, I don't, I can't remember too much from, Enter to back, but I will never forget. I can remember that in my head like it just happened yesterday. Anyway, he just stuck with me how awesome that he was, and it was real outgoing, but down to earth and everything. So I think he'd be great on the board. Just, just it's one of my picks. Nice, good picks. Those are two. Yeah, that's a cool story. Good one. All right, Matt. Well, first off, I want to say that I'm. I know over the years. Over many years, the the PCA board has gone through so many different sort of fluctuations. And, right. you know, the board wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, there was a time when the board was sort of skewed in favor of the manufacturers. And I really appreciate the fact that the vast majority of members of the PCA board are retailers right now. I really love that. Um. I have a very, very left field pick for my first one, and that is Guy Fieri. Interesting. Okay. Because so that's a... to get a celebrity with his kind of voice and reach on the PCA board, I think would be absolutely astounding what kind of impact that could have. Um. And I'll also, I, I thought about, uh, I'm, I, I'm going down the same road that John has gone down. I, I do agree that's, that the board needs representation from cigar media. And I thought about this as far as, you know, who has, um, 
who has been in the the cigar media game for a long time who puts in a lot of work and most importantly who would actually be willing to accept a position on the board with the pca so i'm going to also name william cooper declined yeah <laughs> i'll decline i'll decline but i appreciate it <laughs> oh and here would be my reason for declining just so you know and i appreciate it um i don't feel like i could cover the pca objectively if i was on the board because now I'm. and i can understand that i, yeah, I yeah, completely yeah, yeah, get that yeah. position I, I'd, have, I'd have to give up what i'm doing yeah, covering them to do it yeah but i appreciate and I, it and i think that's the i think that's the the sticking point for most cigar media whether right. it's you or yeah. charlie or patrick or Brooke. right, right um and and even the the team at it's honestly even the team at cigar aficionado um it would be very difficult to serve on the board of the pca and still cover it completely from an, through an objective lens yeah. so i yeah. and i can appreciate that i appreciate it i'm honored thank you <laughs> all right and your other one was uh was Guy Fieri. Yeah. Yep. Interesting one. Okay. He's a good promoter. So, yep. Yep. yeah. Aaron, what about you? Uh, I have two people that are kind of in a similar position, and those are uh, retailers that are also brand owners because I think they cover a couple of, you know, a yeah. couple of aspects of the, of the industry. Um, it would be Dion Giolito and Jeff Hogan from Crux. Um, good, good ones those are good ones yeah i think that they have very interesting setups i mean you dion has a retail shop uh he does distribution he has a brand um so he has a, a you know a vast perspective on things that are going on in the industry um jeff also a retailer um also a brand owner um he's he, he has a very uh technical approach to things in methodical approach to things as well so i just think those two people's perspectives you know not saying that they'd accept that position or would want to even do it but i think they would just have really interesting perspectives that would you know show from multiple ends on and ideas that they could they could share there yeah those are good ones yeah one of mine is really similar to yours picks. actually one of mine's a little similar to yours all right so here's the thing for me if this was 2020 and this question was being answered, I'd say we need two disruptors on the board. Okay. And if I looked at disruptors, I'd put Saka and Nick Perdomo, right? Things to shake things up. I don't think that's the right time for a disruptor right now. At the end, I think we need to go the opposite way, but someone who could be help this organization build bridges, Matt, sorry, uh, <laughs> and, and burn cigars, right? So my two picks, the first one, was Fred Rui. I, I, I picked Fred Rui over Dion over that one. Right. Um, you know, Fred, I think, could do that. I think he'd be great on a board. And the other one, and you guys, I know it's the Homer pick, but I'd pick Jose Blanco. I think people will listen to Jose Blanco. Plus, plus, as a media guy, I'd have a great source of information. Gaza <laughs> 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 for self-serving pick here. Right. So, a little self-serving with that, but that. <laughs> So, yeah, those were mine. All right, John, do you have your second one before we wrap well, up? Well, you know, Jay Davis kind of gave me a, a pinch hit here. He had a comment that he'd love to see a representative from Pro Cigar, Nico Sabor, or someone from Honduras. And I actually think that would be I love that idea. Great, yeah. because then now you have 
uh, not just manufacturer representation, but actually country representation. Uh, I think that's that's actually really really smart because yeah. uh, especially with you know seeing pictures, seeing the picture from a thousand foot view from a yeah. from a country perspective, uh, assuming they have the bandwidth for that, that would be a huge get for the board for sure. Yeah, like Juan Martinez. Yeah, Juan Martinez would be the name that comes to mind. With me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, yeah, based out of there. Um, uh, the DR, maybe Ernesto. Lito's, I think Lito's already done it. Maybe he hasn't, but probably Ernesto would be the guy I'd look at. Yeah. On the DR. And then, oh, there's just a little trickier. I mean, Christian's on the board already. Christian's already on the board. Yeah. Christian's yeah. already on the board already. Um, Husto. Husto could do it. Yeah, Husto could do it. Definitely. I mean, so, I, you know, I think his dad is, I don't think his dad would be able to do it just because he doesn't travel out of the country. But, yeah, probably, who's, I could see who's still being in there as well. All right, so those were our board picks here, and that's going to that's gonna wrap it up. Hey, Matt, when we were talking about Pete, I just want to mention, you have Pete coming on Monday, right? Uh, yeah, Monday night. Okay, uh, yep. Yes. Uh, that is, I believe, the 8th, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh no the ninth the ninth yeah uh, Monday yep, night yep. October I thought because I told you I was, that was yeah, the night I was yeah. sick and I thought I heard it <laughs> I wasn't just in, just in time for Canadian Thanksgiving that's perfect oh yeah yeah and Columbus Day too so yeah so uh yeah Pete Johnson from Tatois he's going to be on the show Monday night nice nice good job on that uh and then we have no show next week uh I am taking a vacation with my wife believe it or not nice. uh, not a cigar vacation this is not a cigar. we're, we're going to be we're going to be going to the uh, Smoky Mountains. So, uh, nice. doing Dollywood, some moonshine and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's not a cigar trip. So, <laughs> so we'll be doing that. So uh, no show next, but the week after, uh, we have a first time company coming on the show. Uh, we have Andy green from Ashton coming on. Oh, nice. wow. Yeah, that so, is fantastic. Yep, very uh, cool. Andy's a really cool guy. If you haven't met him. So, uh, very, very personable guy really knows the brand and knows the business well. So he is there. He's their national sales manager, uh, but he's probably more than that, too. So uh, looking forward to that will be on the 19th. That will be our next show. So no show on the 12th and then our next show on the 19th. So, uh, hey, guys, I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, we didn't go four hours, so uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. So uh, the bare records intact. Uh, um, and um, I don't have anything else. Aaron, anything else? No, I think we're all set. All right. So uh, again, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, Ben, John, and Matt. Thanks to our audience as well. That is going to wrap up Prime Time episode 284 into the Annals of History for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. Now, October 6th in the Eastern and Central time zones. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys. Happy Thanksgiving.